welcome everybody. Um, my name's Andrew and you're joining us this evening for another one of the Jab Injured um, episodes. Tonight we're with Bram and now before I introduce Bram, um, I'd really like to um, ask the listeners to please support um, this show via Patreon. If you go to the website the8newsshow.podbean.com You'll find our webpage and you'll be able to click on the Patreon button in the top right-hand corner of the screen. And that would be amazing if you could do that because, look, we're doing a lot of travel and it would really, really help us to stay in the game and continue to bring these very important stories to you. As always, I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Dr. Mark Loss. Hi, Mark. Yeah, hi, Andrew. How are you going? And, of course, the special guest of the show this evening is Bram. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Fantastic. Um, okay, so we've got a very interesting story to run through tonight. Bram, you were obviously injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah I had a, a, a pretty bad run with the with the vaccine injuries. Right. So let's go. Right, let's kick into it. We've got some notes in front of us. We're going to talk about your whole story over the next hour and a half, um, mate. I believe that this all began for you in. Uh, October last year, or was it a little bit earlier than that? Um, I was I was vaccinated for uh, my first dose on the sixth of October last year, um, so that was more the the start. Um, the, I, the I suppose I only ever had one injection as well. I never had a second. Um, so this is, mm-hmm. everything's happened to me is from one. Yeah. So what? How long before? How long since you had the jab? To when you began to have issues? So I had some mild symptoms that didn't concern me at the time in the first day to two days. Um, I actually, I made a note to my partner, sort of saying I've got this bit of a a rush in my chest, uh, sort of the 24 to 48 hour period. Mm. Um, And I sort of, I was like, it's enough to notice, but it wasn't concerning at that time. Um, And then for the next two weeks, I was pretty much perfect. I was, I was normal for two weeks or so and um, that's, I, I was riding my mountain bike, I sort of every Saturday I'd go out for a... And you, you do that, you're you're a long time bike rider, yeah, push been, bike rider. Yeah, I've been riding for a good few years now and yep. I sort of, it's, it's what I do to get my downtime. I, um, you know, go out and you know, do 20, 30 k's and... Yeah, in the bush. Yep, yep. Jumps. Mm. Yeah, jumps, berms, all that sort of stuff, uphill, downhill. Um, Pretty yeah. exciting stuff, mate. Yep. I've done a little bit of that myself. But, um, in, in what, what I'm trying to get to is it's extreme exertion. Yeah, it's pretty physical getting up. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And while you're out on this bike ride, you started feeling a few issues, noticing a few things. Actually, no, on, on the ride I was fine. Um, so I basically went every weekend. Um, and uh, on this sort of about two weeks later, um, I had, uh, it would have been the 23rd um, of October. So I, 6th was when I was injected, 23rd was... My bike ride where the symptoms really started kicking in, so I was fine on the ride. That night, I came back and got this pressure developing in my chest. Right. Uh, it was the only only way I can describe it is a um, yeah, it's just it's just a weight on my chest, a pressure in my right around my heart area. Mm-hmm. And um, a few instances that night and the following night, I would get a um, rush, like my heartbeat would speed up. And the other thing it would do would be it would like beat harder, so not necessarily um, 
faster, faster. But, just, but harder. You could feel your heart my pounding. Heart was punching in my chest. Um, wow. And so I was said to my partner, and she's she's a nurse and midwife, and I was you know this is sort of I'm getting a bit concerned, mm-hmm. and um, she's like, yeah, well, well we'll get a doctor's appointment for you, and um, we made the appointment together, and um, a couple of days later, so on the 26th mm-hmm. um, of October, I went to the the first GP, um, Dr. Arwen Boyle, and um, I sort of said, Doc, you've got this, this chest pressure, this sort of mild pain, discomfort. It's, it's got this rushing heartbeat at times and sort of erratic heartbeat and it's just not right, you know. Now, of course, for everyone listening, we're here in Western Australia, Perth, Western Australia. Um, Bram, your doctor is also local, Perth yeah, guy. Yeah, so this doctor I hadn't seen before. It was, um, I haven't, I've only been living in this, in this uh, particular area for yep. about a year or so. So I don't ever see the doctor prior, prior to this whole... Yeah, because you're a pretty healthy fit yeah, guy. Yeah, young yeah. man. Now, let's, before we get into the detail, because um, I've got lots of questions for Dr. Mark, um, let's cut to the chase. What one did you have? So I had the Pfizer. Yeah. Yep. Yep, the, the, the real nasty one. Well, is any yeah. nastier than the they're, other? They're all equally nasty they're all in different nasty. ways. So let's talk about these chest pains. Um, Mark, what is it about having I, – I, I get having heart racing – but what is it about having a regular beat but a very heavy beat? Uh, it may be he's getting ventricular ectopics, which indicate that, which would indicate that the vaccine is causing partial clotting and is causing the heart to beat erratically and gives a large thump because when you have a, a beat like that, mm. it just causes a bit of a squirming in the heart and then the following heartbeat will ve- be very big and that's the bump he'll feel because... The uh, right. atrium and the ventricle have filled up in the meantime. So this gives you the um, kind of feedback to, from your own body that everything's sort of beating at a normal pace, but except they're really heavy beats. It's That's just right. you don't realise you're having a light one. So it mm. did, did both. So at times it would speed up and at times it would be... Heavy, um, right? Yeah. And that's that's what pump. happens. That heavy one could be a uh, atrial or ventricular ectopic, which mistimes, and thus you feel it more than you would otherwise. Yeah. And um, talk, tell us, um, take us through the the other pains that you were having. So it was, uh, it was yeah, it was chest pressure. Like it was, I, I could describe it as say someone's sitting on your chest, or maybe not someone's full body weight. So but a like, tightness, uh, like if someone's put like. You know, 20 kilos on your chest, like, like my daughter's sitting on my chest Speaking or something. Speaking mic, mate, yeah. Yeah, like uh, heavy weight, weight yeah. on my chest. Right. And what other symptoms were you having at the so, time? So at that time, I, I had some um, erection problems in the morning, which coincided shortly after my mm. chest pain started. And um, like it works normally when I want it to work, but the default automatic, <laughs> like you wake up, one wasn't working and I was like that's weird that's never happened to me um Mm. so and this progressed for two three weeks and it got um a couple days later it actually got a bit worse and this was during the day so the first sort of five days or so it was night time and um it'll be good in the morning and and stuff and uh around about the 28th so it's about two days after this first doctor Mm -hmm. um well, and I, so this first doctor, I'll just touch on that. I went. Yeah, well, let's go through that. Your visit to Doctor mm. Boyle. Yeah, so I went there and I sort of said, "Look, I ride my bike. Um, this has happened. The following my bike ride, these are the symptoms: this chest pressure, this chest pain, this um, erratic sort of heart type stuff." I've got to interject really quickly. Had you made the connection at this point? 
to, I, to the vax? It was in the back of my mind. Um, I, so I'd actually heard about rare side effects. And yeah. um, when, when and the rumour going around at the time when I was vaccinated was if you get the um, nurse to uh, pull, back on, pull back on the plunger and... Um, I don't know what that does. Check for you're not in a vein. That's right. Yep. So mm. I actually requested the um, person giving me my injection to do that, and I thought, well, that's the problem. If you get injected and it hits a vein, and then you get these side effects, and um, so I was oh. like, okay, well, if, as long as I make sure I do that, make sure the nurse does that procedure, um, I'm good. Okay, can yeah. you, Mark, can you just explain that a yes, little bit? Because I'm a little bit confused that's already. Right. That's a very common thing. See, when they inject into your muscles, you have a lot of blood vessels in the muscle anyway. Mm-hmm. So when you push in a, um, a, needle. a needle in, you pull back on it to make sure you're not right in a big vein where you can pull blood oh, back. Oh, so then you might in. see blood coming through. That's the right. You'd syringe. see blood coming back when you pull back. And if you did that, you'd have to inject somewhere else or move the needle elsewhere. See, if you then. Uh, had all this vaccine muck and you'd pull back and you'd found your inner vein, then you injected it all in, you'd push the muck straight into the vein and the patient could have really dreadful side effects and oh, very likely collapse yeah. and die right. straight away. It's like a snake bite. If the snake bites into your vein, it's a lot worse than if the snake just bites into the muscle. Okay, because the uh, when you say the vaccine muck, you mean the vax? I mean the, I mean the quaxine. The, the quaxine, the, um, yeah. And so if you whack that straight into a vein, it's just going to activate in your system very, very quickly. It it will stimulate the complement and will stimulate your blood clotting mechanisms and you'll be in real difficulties. So so that's what I'd I'd heard. Um, And I was like, well, okay, as long as I do that, then I'm all good, right? So, Okay. And and this was was sort of around Delta time as well when I got injected. It was before Omicron. There was Mm. the massive fear campaign and... um, Mm. It was actually before WA mandates, but the Victorian mandates were in place, US mandates were in place, and I was like, well, I'm more afraid of the... I wasn't doing it because I had to for work, I was actually afraid of the virus. Um, yeah, so you were in, you were coerced by fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that was the reason I got it. It's part of the great crime in this, mate. And, um, exactly. Everywhere we go, we still see particularly elderly people, but not necessarily... Um, out in the community, even riding alone on a push bike, wearing mm. a mask, and, that's right. And I, I, I think that the this is a, a just in itself is a big crime. Um, by literally, there these people are out there, and they are genuinely frightened. And I think that is disgraceful that the government has done that to its own people. So. Let's go back to um, Dr Boyle. So we're talking about now the 26th of October and you make your first yep. visit to this GP. But first visit with the GP, run down my symptoms, explain I believe it's connected with mountain biking because mm. uh, it happened following a mountain bike ride. Mm. She, well, she checked if I was vaccinated, asked that question almost before it was like any other questions, like do you smoke, do you have a family history of heart attacks? Really? So the first one was are you vaccinated? Yeah, yeah, I've had a vaccine a couple of weeks ago. Right, okay. Now, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Okay, keep going. And um, she did the did a bunch of physicals and listened to my chest and, you know, probed me and prodded me. And uh, then she said, look, we're doing an ECG. And I'm like, yep, do it. So we did, did that in clinic with the nurse. And then she um, recommended a um, blood test for troponin and a chest X-ray, um, which were done a couple of hours or straight after that consult at the uh, pathology yeah, yeah, in imaging. Yeah. Yep. So the ECG test um, done by the nurse, got the results, went back and saw the doctor that straight away. and um, Same day? 
Yeah, well, it was done in the in the GP of course. clinic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So they had a machine there. Um, she actually took a photo of the printout. I was actually on the computer screen, sorry. She took a photo with her mobile phone and uh, sent that to a cardiologist. Yeah. And um, just to check. So, sure, she's a general practitioner. She's not a specialist. Yeah, but, of course. And I was like, okay, yep, yep. And um, she sort of said, well, it looks like you've probably most likely done some muscle strain in your in your chest when you're riding your mountain bike. And I was like, I don't think so. Like, sort of, that's what I was thinking in my head. And, you know, like, I didn't crash. I didn't have any incidents on the mountain bike ride. There was nothing mm. abnormal. And, of course, it's worth pointing out that when you do those sort of activities on a regular basis, you get to know your body very well. Mm. Sure. You, if you do a lot of exercise, yeah, you understand what the feelings are that you're going through and you, you just instinctually knew that 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 was not a good enough explanation for what you're experiencing. Yeah. Okay, what happened next? So, uh, I, sorry, Mark. Uh, yes, just I'd just like to ask: when you had the pain in the chest, as I say, you normally describe it as a pressure. Was it on one side of the chest or the other side more? Um, s- central and le- and left side. Um, and, and, w- and when the nurse pressed over your uh, chest, did you find any sore spots? No. So the doctor did a you know palpitation sort of um i think that's what they do uh, the feeling squeezed squeeze my muscles and you know listen to my back and stuff and she couldn't i couldn't find any painful areas um right why are you asking that i'm asking that because if he had muscle strain it would be the most easily to pick it up by finding a sore muscle of course often mistake yeah yeah what's going on there of course i've experienced this myself I, i knew in my own mind it wasn't a muscle strain but i was like well, mm. we're doing the blood test, we're doing the x-ray, surely this is going to yep. be the diagnostic information needed. And yeah, um, yeah. Did that, and I never heard back from this doctor. So I called up the following day, and I, I spoke to the nurse. I couldn't get to the doctor, she was in a consult, and I said, look, I was, I was here, and um, just checking if my results are in. So the nurse said, oh, your uh, troponin, or your blood test was negative, your x-ray was uh, negative, and she didn't tell me about the ECG test. Mm. And, um, Just left it out. Yep. And, and yeah, you so, asked. So I didn't ask at that time. I, I later followed after, after I got out of hospital. So got, jumping forward, I, I went back to this doctor and I requested my ECG test. Uh, I actually asked her to upload it to my health record so that Based. I could mm-hmm. um, download it in my own leisure. Mm-hmm. And she uploaded the um, the blood test and she uploaded the X ray, but she failed to upload the ECG test. Wow. After I requested it. And a particular mission since yep. she took a photograph and sent it off yeah. to a specialist so as is, well. This is the key part. I went to the practice in person. This is well after this concert, after, after the whole uh, whole thing. I went, mm. I went back later and I got the uh, receptionist to print out the paper copy of the ECG trace. Right. And on the ECG, this is the very first presentation, um, there was three diagnostic um, things that, that I could pick up straight away. So two of them were actually... The machine detects these things and it actually tells you diagnostic information. Mm. Oh, it has yep. it printed out on the chart so, that it produces. Yep, yep. So mm. one of them was sinus um, brachycardia, I think, which is a, a under 60 beat per yeah, minute heart rate, mm. which was 59, which was, was normal. Mm. The other was a larger PTFV1, which I later found out is an indicator of heart disease, heart problems and stroke in con- combination with uh, hypertension. Mm-hmm. And the third one, which wasn't detected by the machine but it was in the trace and I could even see it once I knew what to look for, was a T-wave inversion on, uh, I believe it was lead three. 
Right. Okay. Can you yes, explain that right. to us? Lead three would be uh, over the middle of the heart itself, the anterior part of the heart. It does suggest there's ischemia in the uh, main muscle in the heart. And what does that called, mean, Mark? Well, it suggests either there's ischemia or some sort of irritation in the heart. I shouldn't have said ischemia, meaning that okay. the blood supply to the heart is not that normal or the heart is inflamed. It's a very non-specific sign. But, okay. And your age is about, you're less than 30, aren't you? I, I was 35 when it happened. I'm 36 now. Right. So that's right. You're still very, very young. Very young. And if you're a healthy person, you've never smoked, you have no problem with uh, heart disease. But the fact that you're getting this heart pain, you've had the two-wave changes, suggests that there's irritation and inflammation in the smaller arteries and vessels supplying the heart. Uh, doctor, yeah. what, what do you make of the larger PTFV1? Is that something you've come across? Uh, that's using it, PTF. I think you mean the um, you mean the P wave. I think you mean, that's the first one that comes I, I, from the sinus. I think it's... From the atrium. Uh, I think PTF is something, a terminal voltage maybe? Terminal voltage. Ah, that's right. They, they kept changing the P word. That's a very subtle sign. Do you have the actual ECG there? I can I can bring it out for you. Um, I, I later checked it with another doctor and Googled it myself, mm. and it, it indicated heart um, heart disease and was in uh, associated with stroke in combination with hypertension. It's combination with stroke. Do they think you had a, a um, or this, stroke this in the particular brain. this particular code of of whatever this um this larger PTFV one was associated right. with that? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, you're not a doctor, yeah. And, yeah, but I, you've done your own research. That's right. Exactly. It, it is very odd that two wave changes can occur if you've had a minor stroke, etc. Right. Cause changes in the heart, which is rather surprising. And uh, you may have had some minor change in the brain that caused that. That okay. is possible. Okay, as well. so let's address the elephant in the room. Um, can you kind of foresee, Mark, um, why the doctor might have wanted to keep that a little bit on the down low because they've not provided the information? That's right, because that's right because if those T wave changes and these other ones you described with the P wave are present, that would indicate a heart disease. It's not you couldn't just explain away by saying it's pericarditis, and you certainly couldn't call it uh, ordinary muscle strain. So I guess what I'm getting at is. Um, in a normal situation, would that be the sort of thing that would um, straight away raise the question in the doctor's mind, oh, we need to investigate further? I, I would, because especially because he's a young man, he's only 36, he's got a family, he's got a baby daughter, and you've got to investigate it to make sure he lives a normal life. That would be really worrying to see in a younger man like that. But, of course, I haven't asked your family history where you have, if you have a history of heart disease in the family, that would... Uh, raise the problems of getting do, heart do disease? You, do you, Brian? Not, no, no, not really. I think my grandfather died of a heart, heart problems very late in life. Um, right. Nothing, oh. nothing, you know, nothing. So really a normal age for those normal. sort of things yeah. to happen. Okay, so we're, we're talking right now, everyone, about um, Bram's visit to Dr Boyle on the 28th of the 10th yep. last year. Now, we've kind of cut forward a little bit. Let's go back to that point. You've left the doctor's surgery... Um, but you never actually received the paperwork as requested. No, so I called up, um, didn't get any uh, clear answers from the nurse. Uh, she said the, the uh, blood test and the uh, x-ray were negative. So she didn't mention the ECG and I forgot to ask. Yeah, um, so you've ended up going back yep. and getting that. But a couple of days after that visit to Dr Boyle, you went and had another appointment. So, Well, two days later, my, my symptoms got worse and I was actually at work driving and um, just you know, I work as a mobile uh, tradesman and between mm. jobs and um, 
yeah, my, my heart symptoms like heartbeat and chest pain were unusually bad and I, I was like, I, I've got to go to hospital actually. I drove myself into hospital about midday. Really? You, it was really concerning you? I was like, yeah, like I, I, it, was, it was frightening. Um, so, and once you sort of start going something's really wrong, it, it, it exacerbates the problem. Mm. You know, it's like a feedback uh, mm, loop. So. So I I called my work and I'm like I'm I'm not going to the next job you can you can send one of the other guys and I drove straight into hospital, um, Royal Perth uh, that's close close to the area yeah, where you were yep and um, went through triage chest pains and, and everything else straight through and um, they did a, a series of uh, blood blood tests they did look for the troponin and I think they did a couple other things I explained my symptoms to them they did the uh, ECGs or multiple ECGs did another chest X ray. Um, I was in there for about five, six hours. Um, I've got to ask, did they at all ever ask you if you'd been vaxxed already? First question, uh, are you recently vaccinated? Both mm-hmm. by the triage and once I was in the actual right. emergency. Mm. Once again, patterns start appearing. Yep, again, yep. Uh, following that, then it's the, do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you have a history of, mm. you know, what's your fitness? Do you, do you do recreational drugs? All the sort of standard um, Questions, feeling me out. Uh, I explained all my pains, what had been happening, that I'd just been to the doctor a couple of days earlier. Um, I, I started to say I believe it's related to the vaccine at this point. Um, so you'd really started putting two that to was, two together? That was when, yeah, the first time I was like, uh, something's up. The second time I'm like, no, nah, this is... And, and by that stage I was doing research and uh, looking around. And yeah, and that was my next question. So I know that it was several days later that you went and got the actual ECG um, report from the first doctor. I, but I you hadn't had that yeah. with you at that point, had no, you? No, and she hadn't uploaded it to my health record. There was no, uh, as far as I know, there was no notes. This is one of the key problems uh, okay. uh, the whole way along. The doctors wouldn't put any notes or history for... Onto, onto my health record so that mm. the following doctor, the following hospital, the next time can look back and go, this is what's happening. That's right, and that's really criminal because if he came in really sick, near death, they wouldn't have the information they needed to exactly. get tracking. Exactly, and I, 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 I later went back to this Dr Boyle and um, chewed her out and told her that, And but I'll get to that later in the... In the okay, video. so at this point you've, you've had this... Uh, you've been out working, you've got the chest pains and it started yep. to worry you... Called work. I'm not coming. I've, I've got to go to the hospital, and you've taken yourself off. Sure. First, roughly the first thing they said to you is, "Have you been vaxxed?" Yep, that was before I even got into into the emergency. Mm-hmm. That's just in the triage room, and wow. um, and then again, that I was asked numerous times if I'd been vaxxed um, by the nurses and doctors that were attending. Um, so they couldn't find anything on the um, chest X-ray. The ECG, I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, but I later found out. So again, I had, I had to chase this up. Yeah, with this Dr. Boyle. Uh, yeah. Well, this is the hospital now. Oh, okay. They did an ECG there they did, as well. They did numerous ECGs. I was hooked up to the machine while I was in there. And um, they again found this T-wave inversion. Um, mm. they, the doctor told me, and I, I didn't catch his name. There's so many people in the ED, but the doctor that I was attending me at Royal Perth told me that there's uh, nothing wrong with my heart. I'm health, healthy in the heart. And that it's most likely a musculoskeletal issue. And they, they discharged me after about six hours. Which is, by this stage, I'm just going to call BS on that one because... Sure. Yeah. yeah, we know. And you were you were thinking that as well, were you, yeah. when you were in the hospital? And, Hang and on a minute, I'm getting the run around here. Exactly. And, and yeah. they'd also given me some... Um, I forget the name of the... the Drug I've got it written down, but oh, Ameprazole was it? No, no, that's that's no, later that's on. Later. So I'll get to that. Okay. Um, they gave me some anti-inflammatories. Uh, so this, at the hospital, they gave me anti-inflammatories, calmed things down, then discharged me. Okay. Um, I've just got to ask, Doctor Mark. 
in that sort of situation where they're claiming that he's had um, some sort of strain in his muscle, muscles around the heart or his chest and they give you anti-inflammatories, keeping uh, up the guys, right, is that potentially risky for someone in Bram's situation? Uh, if it's aspirin, no, it's not risky there because aspirin does diminish the uh, chance of a heart attack, so it is yep. proper therapy there. But the thing is, and what he hasn't told me, is whether there was any actual muscle pain, once again, around the uh, chest. Was it pain in the muscles or the any particular painful yeah. point in the, the chest? Ch- the chest, the pain was internal. It was um, in in left side of my chest. It was actually under my nipple and uh, also in my armpit. So in deep in right, right, and, you, and there was no pain when people pressed on that area. No, it wasn't. It wasn't on the surface layer. Yeah, so it was clear that it wasn't um, muscle inflammatory. It was yeah. something far more yeah, serious yes. than that. Well, we don't know. We just know it's a, a deep chest pain that gets yeah. worse at night. But it is suggestive of that, especially with the T wave. And, and I also explained. I did tell them the symptoms of of this rushing. I, so I didn't know the technical term of uh, tachycardia and, yeah. and uh, palpitations. I believe at the time. But I tried to, my best to explain what had, what had happened earlier, so it wasn't happening at that exact instant. Yeah, right. Because by the time you got into the hospital um, and you were there for a few hours, things sort of calmed down, did sure. they? Is and, that and, what you're and saying? That, and that rushing heartbeat was a nighttime thing. When I was getting the chest pains, so this was the middle of the day, probably probably lunchtime, and um, yeah, it was, it was. I was getting freaked out about, and it was yeah, I'd, I had to go to hospital. I was not right. Right, so that that normally happened at night, um, but then it's happened in the middle of the day. Sure. Were you starting to think to yourself, "Oh shit, probably I should have just gotten into the hospital a lot earlier"? Yeah, so like as I said, the chest pain started on the twenty third. It wasn't until two three days later that I even saw the GP because I was like, "Oh, you know, like yeah, 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 it'll guys, be right." Guys, don't go. She'll be right, mate. Don't get get help unless they really need it. You know, like um, and even then they don't get help often. So yeah, I was pushing pushing it back. Oh, you know, I don't need it. Like oh, it'll pass, sort of thing, and uh, it didn't. Yeah. So yeah, the hospital discharged me. Didn't give me any discharge paperwork. Well, this is interesting. We keep hearing this. Did you ever get any discharge paperwork? I did. I I did numerous freedom of information requests with Royal Perth over the whole. This story goes on quite a bit. Um, I did numerous freedom of information requests at Sir Charles Gardner. Um, I did. I, I've got every test, every document, every medical. I've got everything for the whole case, but I didn't get it at the time. I had to, I had to chase it. Okay, up. Okay, I've just got to ask to be clear. When you took yourself off to the hospital, you were admitted. I was admitted to emergency, and then they put me in the uh, for emergency. I was in there for about four or five hours, and they put me short stay for another hour, then discharged. Okay, so there mm. should have been discharge papers. Yeah, they did. They did actually send a, a this. They sent a discharge summary to my doctor. Oh, that yes. But this is a, not the doc, not to Doctor Boyle. They sent it to my previous doctor from that I just happened to have seen for other issues years ago. Uh, oh, yeah, it was oh, my doctor yeah, on record. A problem. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and you didn't know. I that. didn't know. They didn't tell me. I didn't. I didn't have the foresight at that time to make sure I got my tests and my paperwork. Now I've been in hospital a few times, Mark. Um, I remember very clearly having to sign some paperwork mm. when I left the hospital. And I was given that to take away with me, That's a right. signed copy. You didn't get any of that. No, it was um, – the doctor didn't even come and see me. The nurse basically just said, oh, you can kind of go now. Once I, So they emergency for a few hours, short stay for another hour or two, then see you later. And uh, I was sort of like, what's, what's the 
diagnosis is probably muscle. And I've just got to make the point that you're having issues with your heart. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah and yes. you tell them that it comes Very on at serious. night, they should at least put you in the coronary care unit, or if not, they should have put what's called a holder monitor on you. But this is a thing that looks at your ECG overnight. Yeah. And then after it's been on, usually about three days, I'll come back and so have a look. So f- further investigative research. That's right. But uh, as we keep on hearing, um, they kind of slip that under the rug and just keep you moving on through the doors. So my, so I don't know intentions of the doctors or the staff. No, but, we, we're just... But I, my theory yeah. is they knew what was going on. They suspected it was mild. They were like, it's going to self-resolve. See you later. That was my, that's my suspicion of what's happening. They go, oh, he's getting a mild reaction. See you later. It'll clear up by itself. All good. I don't know. I find that really difficult to swallow, considering it's your heart. Sure, yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's negligent in uh, in my opinion, but that's what I believe was happening. Sorry about the noise, everyone. Just had to adjust my mic. Yeah, it sounds extremely neg- negligent, but um, that's all we ever hear when we uh, do these um, this series, isn't yeah. it, Mark? Yeah. So let's move on then. So we're um, we're now you, you've now made um, the oh sorry the next step. We're into November now. Yeah, so about two, three days later, so 1st of November, so hospital was 28th, 1st of November, I go back to my um, my, this, this, my, my previous GP in another suburb, um, Dr Robert Songhurst at Jupiter Spearwood. Um, I've, I've used him a couple of times for other minor things, bits and pieces over the years, so I went to him for a second opinion. I was okay. made an appointment, went, drove, it's just about half hour, 45 minute drive from here to see this doctor that I'd, I'd previously used. And you felt comfortable with that person, I, I, so you thought, I'll thought go back okay. to them? Yep. yep, I've used him before. I thought he was okay. He did help me out previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, I told him the whole story um, and said, look, this has happened. I've been to the hospital. That No one knows what's going on. I, I, I told him at this stage, I believe it's um, vaccine-related. And I, I, around about that time, I actually started doing my own uh, WAVs reports as well. So I'd been doing research what to do. So mm. anyway, we'll get to that later. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I said to the doctor, I, 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 this has happened. It's happened after the vaccine. This is a story. I've told him all the symptoms. I've told him the history. He, again, examined me. He, um, he, he, he had the notes from the hospital. I didn't mm. know this in this consult. I found out later. Um, he uh, requested another... Um, ECG. He skipped the X-ray. He requested another troponin, and he also requested a um, TTE, a, a transthoracic echocardiogram, um, so it's ultrasound of the heart. Which okay. I, and um, and and but he said, look, it's, it's probably nothing wrong with your heart. It's um, anxiety. You know, you, you've ever had anxiety, and uh, this is, this, these symptoms are anxiety related. What, what the the um, the the fastening of the heart rate, yeah, and all that yeah. sort of thing, and and I, and I, I, by that stage, I was starting to get anxious about what was happening to me. To yeah, right, of course you know, would be. You know, yeah. This is the anxiety for for the record is secondary to the initial problem. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and but I said to him, look, I've I've got no history of anxiety or, or any mental health problems. You know, like yeah. I've never had this sort of stuff. It's, it's never been an issue for me. The, and during this time of my life is actually the, the best time of my life. I've, I've got a young daughter, a partner. Where things are going great in my life, relationship wise, work wise, everything's pretty much. And you're mountain biking. Yep. and you're, you're I'm, 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 I'm going great at that time, apart mm-hmm. from this chest pain. And I said, look, I don't think it's that. So, and and we still had the follow up. As I mentioned, the TTE uh, echo. We had we had the echo to do the next day, and 
blood tests. Okay, no so you went through a couple of days of tests. Yeah. And so did he do the ECG when you were there with the doctor that day? He, I can't remember if he did it on the 1st or the 3rd. So I went back two days later. So, right, so the 1st okay. of November, I went to this doctor. The 2nd, the, very, the next day, I got a echocardiogram scan, uh, ultrasound just, at... Yeah, we've yeah, got, got an echo at Western Cardiology, um, CB Echo. Yeah. And then I went back to him on the 3rd, two days, so after for the results of that. The echo at that time apparently was um, no, abno- no abnormalities. Yeah. Um, he did note the T-wave inversion and told me it was normal. Um, mm. He said it did, I didn't have the T-wave on, on, the, on his ECG, but he had the notes from the hospital, which noted oh, right. T-wave inversion again. Right, he said, "Look, I've got I've got the notes from the hospital on the on this uh, consult. He told me that." Said, Just try and speak into your mic. Yeah, right? thank sorry, you. Sorry, sorry. Um, right. So he, he said, "Look, we've on the you've, we've noted this T wave inversion, but don't worry, perfectly normal. These things happen. Yeah, nothing to worry about." And um, so first, he told me anxiety as the most likely cause. The two days later, with the um, follow up investigations, he said, "Well, it's most likely indigestion. If it's not anxiety, it's got to be indigestion." Uh, I think I see why he did that, because he probably saw when he did his ECG that the T-wave inversion had disappeared, and then he thought that since you were still feeling unwell, he probably deduced, well, that cart thing, perhaps it was due to the vaccine, but then he thought since he's still getting this uh, bad feeling in the chest, it may be indigestion, probably thinking of your anxiety, yeah, secondary anxiety. We've all, we've all experienced that before. That's right. But that, um, tell me if I'm wrong, but that is a very particular feeling. And you ah, ah, that, that's where it can be confusing because right. people can get the identical chest pain from having uh, esophageal spasm as from having a heart attack there well, right, in, eh? in the centre of the chest. So when you get a central chest pain, a pressure chest pain like that, it can be very hard to work out what's going on. Right. Because the pains can seem identical. I have a friend who's had that where they misdiagnosed right. right. him. Can I, can I ask a question? Does, um, does uh, changes in heart rate and heart beating and... Um like tachycardia, is that a symptom of indigestion as well? No, unless the indigestion is very severe, but it's obviously secondary in that case. Sure, yeah. okay. Yep. And so he shouldn't really have said it was uh, indigestion, but I can see how his mind is working with the T-waves. Okay, now he prescribed some pharmaceuticals for you? Yeah, he gave me some... Um uh, I don't know how to say it, uh, omeprazole. Omeprazole, that's omeprazole. right. It's a, a thing that settles down the uh, acid production in the stomach. Okay. So, and I told him, I said, "Look, I'm not even going to go waste my money at the chemist." So I said to him, "Look, it's not that." I was adamant that I was having a yep. vaccine reaction by this stage, and um, right. Yeah, and I said, "Look, uh, <laughs> was he entertaining my money. you at all?" He was. He was just placating me and fobbing me off. And um, doc- doctors, I don't mean to be. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no Mark. Mark, they, they have a way of speaking to to calm. You and to put you at ease, and yeah. uh, th- so he was—he was—he was doing that very well. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I sort of said, "Look, it's—it's it's not anxiety, it's not indigestion, it's the vaccine." You know, and and by this stage, so I'd had one dose, and I was like, "Okay, look, I'm I'm not dead, but things are going wrong. I don't want to have the second dose, right? Mm-hmm. Like the second, you know, the, if this is the first one's done this to me, the second one will be worse, right? Yeah, of course. So at the, I'm sort of going down the road, like, I don't want to have the second one. Can you exempt me? Can you exempt me? And he's, no, 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 there's nothing wrong. But, you know, and no, no, of course, because you're... Sure, yeah. because it's, it's anxiety or indigestion. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I asked him on the, on the second consult, so this is on the 3rd of uh, November, the second consult with his doctor. Yep. 
if it was safe for me to have a second injection. And he was very clever in the way he um, handled this question. He didn't say it was safe and he didn't say it was unsafe. He actually tried to steer me to one of his colleagues. He said, oh, look, I don't handle the, the vaccines myself. Um, you can see this other doctor, which I, I later did see, um, and he's up full bottle in all the literature and he's up to date with everything and um, he can tell you if it's safe or not. So yep. he, he diverted. He didn't want to touch that question at all, um, okay. which I, I picked up on straight away as... Yeah. Yep, trying to um, divert your mind away from what could, what it yep. could be. Yeah, that's what happens to doctors. They become corrupted. I imagine he needs the money and perhaps the doctor has a lovely little daughter like you do and it's causing all this uh, yeah. me- medical malpractice because doctors are thinking of the money and they're being manipulated to accept it. Yeah. Um, everyone, we're just going to take a really quick break um, and we'll be right back. Okay, everyone, so sorry about that. We're right back. We just had a little technical difficulty there and we've sorted it all out. Let's um, continue on. Um, please go ahead, Bram. So you, you've been essentially misdiagnosed and the doctor is trying to use his clever bedside manner to divert your mind mm. away from what's actually going on. That's, that's pretty much it. So I, I left the um, appointment with this script for the um, indigestion medication and without a clear diagnosis in my mind. Mm. And I was quite frustrated with what had happened. I was like, surely, you know, they say these reactions are rare. Um, if I'm having one, then, um, you know, things will be handled in the diligent, correct yep. way. And they weren't, in my opinion. Yeah. So now that brings us on to a little, a few more days down the track and you end up back on the phone with Dr. Songhurst um, in a phone consultation. Sure. So I had another two f- uh, phone consultations with this doctor. Um, that, sorry, I'd like to also touch. I'd, I'd brought yeah, up the, the erection problem with him and mm. sort of questioned him about that, and he didn't really have any answers there. Um, and I had another phone consult and another phone consult. So I had, another f- I had four in total with this, two face-to-face and two telehealth. So let's yeah. talk about that. Um, Obviously, an erection issue in a male is to do with blood pressure. Uh, usually, the, that's the case, but you must remember that after about the age of 35, you um, usually don't wake up that often with a morning erection, but the fact that it's come on very... The fact that it's come <laughs> we, on so quickly... You're a healthy male, mate. That's right. <laughs> it's come on so quickly, it came on after the vaccination. It's significant. Yeah. Yes, it's significant. Mm, it's something that you notice was I very noticed different. right away. It was mm. very, like I'd pretty much never not have a morning erection um, and then I had numerous days consecutively w- without one mm. and straight away I was like okay there's there's, there's an issue here um, yeah is it something that really struck you or did you sort of cotton on to the hang on a minute that's happening now or was it like immediately noticeable to you it was it happened so I clued onto it probably five six days after my chest pains begun right um so it, whether I don't know if the erection problem happened at the exact instant my chest pain started, but they happened within a couple of days. And 
sort of I'd, your first day, you uh, whatever, like second day, okay, and then all of a sudden, you know, three, four days, you're like, okay, you know, something's up. No, or yeah, down, sorry. that's right. Because <laughs> in the first day when it occurred, you're not thinking about that. You think about the chest. Of course, pain. of course. Yeah, you've got yeah, another, yeah. You've yeah. got life, your daughter, you got work, mm. and everything else. Of so. course, um, Mark. What do you think that that's maybe related to? I mean, we're not in yeah. a position to start. We're not yeah, diagnosing. That's right. But I, I'm but just worried that, of course, that the um, vaccine, this quaxine, this jab, has actually caused blood clotting and could be damaging the brain and reducing erectile function in various ways because this jab, unfortunately, sticks this uh, mRNA into people mm. and uh, I'm worrying if it would have more severe effects along the line. Mm. But uh, we'll just have to see in the next few months what happens and what happened to the erectile, erectile dysfunction in the last few months. Right, and you've, I'm assuming straight up that you t- spoke to your doctor in no uncertain terms about that. I, I told him it was totally unusual for me. Um, and what did he say to that? He couldn't really give me an answer. He sort of he made sure it worked when I was uh, aroused, which it did. It was the it was the wake up one that wasn't. Yeah, there. of course, mm. of course. Mm. It's one thing. Yeah, and, and right. like, well, we don't need to spell it out for no, everyone, but don't. everyone understands yeah. what that's mm. all about. Sorry to touch on the no. dirty side of things. But no, yeah, no, so not that, at all. It was, a, it was a symptom that I detected. Um, yeah, and he just said, "Oh no, that's nothing." Yeah, he couldn't. He, he mm. was like, "Oh, if it works when you're aroused, it's not, no real problem." And Carry on. That's, uh, see, that's the problem. They're encouraging people to take this damaging material and it is potentially going to damage their quality of life and that's why yeah. you should not have another. Yeah, of course. Because he wants yep. to maintain his erectile capacity as long as possible. Of course you do. I mean, any bloke would. Yeah. But, any, but anyway, <laughs> little light, light bit of humour there, everyone. Um, so uh, you, you then um, went on to another doctor... Is yeah, so right? during this process, and I, I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but like in between sort of the hospital and Dr. Songhurst, I started researching about what to do. And I came across uh, the WAVSS, which is the West Australian Vaccine Safety Surveillance uh, Organisation, and also the TGA. And I started making um, my own vaccine um, inquiries or adverse event reports. So I, mm. I, made, oh, yes. I made adverse event report for my heart symptoms. And I made a separate one for my erection symptoms, and I've I've sort of linked it to the vaccine that I'd had two or three gotcha. weeks prior. And um, anyways, I'd sort of you know I'd made these reports, and out of the blue, on the eleventh um, of November, I get this call. Uh, well, first I get a series of text messages and emails, and then I organise a, a phone call with this doctor from the West Australian Vaccine Safety Surveillance, and he's researching and um, looking into these. Uh, reports that I've made, so he's following up on these reports, and um, wanted he, he was actually requesting the names of the doctors that I'd seen because they had not um, done any reports themselves. So, which was going to be my next so he's, question? He's, the reason he's contacting me is not because of what's happening to me. Yeah, why are you re- reporting this and your doctors aren't? And exactly. Mm. So he's like, "Well, we need to speak to your doctors." Like he, he wasn't really concerned about me. He was concerned about speaking to the doctors. Yeah, because Ooh. that's his role. Exactly. I he's, can understand. Yeah, he's that. A, but anyways, I, I insisted on speaking to him through the, first my text message and, and the emails. I said, look, I want to have a chat. Yep. And um, he, we called. So we had a, a pretty long chat, probably an hour or so. I can't remember exactly. But we had a decent chat over the phone and I told him my story and my symptoms. And his, um, he said, look, it's probably pericarditis. It's probably mild because at that stage my um, 
ECG only had the T wave, and I didn't I didn't really mention that to him. I don't think, and it didn't. I didn't have troponin rise. I didn't have. Now this is a bloke you're just talking over the phone. You never you've never actually met him. No, Doctor Sam Brophy Williams. Yep, and so um, let's before I ask that question, let's go back one step um, with Doctor Songhurst. Mm-hmm. You basically left that surgery like having achieved nothing pretty much and I, yeah. I, I as i mentioned i had another couple of phone consults with him again i was i was, I was pretty much begging for an exemption i was yeah. like mm. okay what's happened to me it's, it's sort right. of i've got this chest pain it's sort of just lingering but you know like i might have a heart attack but i don't want to have a second shot yeah know. and and this is uh had you been mandated at that stage had you by that stage the mandates probably would have kicked in. I don't know the timeline exactly, but yeah, I, I got my. Well, f- that's about the time. About the time, yeah. yeah. I got jabbed just before the mandates. Now, with the mandates, I'll touch on that quickly because we just you've brought it up. My work didn't enforce them. Mm. Um, it was. I think we fell into this category where it was only if there was a lockdown, which by that stage the no lockdowns, lockdowns were, over. were over, right? Yeah. But I work in uh, as a mobile tradesman and I service the construction industry and. Um, Pretty much all of our customers required vaccines. So, yeah. as an employee, like I'm very limited in what I can do. If you can't go if, onto a site, sure. Mm. So I'm sort of I'm stuck at the workshop. I'm doing sort of odd jobs and, and cash sales that come in and whatnot, but not or not working for our bread and butter work. You know? Yes. Yep. So so that was that's the mandates. Okay. So then you've had this conversation with this yep. guy from the TGA? Uh, the WAVs, the West the Australian WAVs. level. Um, so he wanted to speak to my doctors because my doctors hadn't made any reports or yep. notes and I believe they're actually supposed to when I say that I believe I'm having a reaction. Absolutely they um, are. Mm. But he, he did have the data from the hospital because apparently the hospitals, it goes to a database and it's cross-referenced and everything else. So it's an automatic data Autom- Automatic on, at the hospital level, but right. at the GP level, it's up to the GPs. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so and what was his um, what, what what came of that conversation? Did he end up speaking to these other doctors? I don't know. So I, after I got off the phone with this guy, I had the, that's when I had the second phone consult with Doctor Songos to say, look, this Sam Brophy Williams just talked to me on the phone from the WAVs, and he thinks I've got a pericarditis from the vaccine. That was his not diagnosis because he didn't examine me, but that was his opinion. Mm-hmm. He said it was mild because my at that stage my symptom uh, my my indications and tests weren't indicating severe. Yep. Okay. So then, um, what what did he recommend you do? He didn't give me any recommendations. So he, he just told you what he thought it was. He goes, "It's mild. It will mm. it will resolve most likely. We see a bit of this. Okay. And that, yeah. Now, if that was me, I wouldn't have. I would have been concerned about taking anything he said on board because. He doesn't know your situation. He's seen the hospital data, which, as we've kind of revealed, um, wasn't really that comprehensive. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So in, okay. in defence of this WAVS guy, he – so I, I said, look, you know, I think I'm having a reaction. He goes, look, it's most likely you, you are having a – and he kept calling it a mild reaction. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But I, he said, look, what I can do is I can write a referral for you to go to the um, vaccine safety clinic at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital. So I got two referrals via the WAVs and then uh, – so that was the end of the conversation with the WAVs guy, basically. Anyway, I had a I had the phone consult with the Dr. Songhurst to tell him that this doctor thinks it's pericarditis. Can you write me an exemption? Still no – no. Okay, the doctor you spoke to yeah, on the phone. So, so, so the so day after I went back to Dong's to phone. Songhurst yeah, and, I you, said, and Look, you didn't this, want to? Yeah, this guy's telling me I've got pericarditis. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got to give me an exemption, right? 
no, no, no. Yeah, I think that what really worried me is when you said that this uh, doctor at the WAVs was wanted to know the GPs and other doctors' names. Yeah. Sounds to me that they're uh, and, and ringing them up and bullying them. That's why I actually it called, called like this that. Dr Song. I was basically done with Dr Songhurst by that stage, but I called him up and I wanted to sort of light a fire under him and say, this guy's yeah. coming after you, he wants to know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thing. put maybe, a rocket up. Maybe him. now it's time you give me the exemption mm. sort of thing. And mm. so by this stage, like, this chest pain's ongoing and, mm. it, you know, it hadn't developed yet. Um, so anyways... Uh, that was that was that, and um, this has been going on for a few weeks now. This chest pain coming and going, and and whatnot. And uh, I thought it, it cleared up, and, and this, this on the Saturday, the thirteenth. Uh, I was couple of days later. Yeah, I was feeling mm. pretty good, and I hadn't ridden in three weeks. I was, I was itching to get back out on the bike, mm. and uh, I was feeling good. The chest pains hadn't really been there the last day or two. They've been speaking to the They've been tapering off. So I was yep. like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm good. I'm good to go. Yeah. No one really said, don't go do this. Uh, I should have not gone and done done this, but I went for a bike ride. It was a social ride. Probably probably did maybe thirty k's, low elevation. It was on the mm. coast coastal um, mountain bike. Okay, yeah, small uh, hills and yeah. hollows. We, yeah, we, we were actually discussing some some mountain bike uh, stuff with local councils. Mm. We had a, a breakfast along the way at a cafe. It was light duty. Yeah, um, I came back from that with the worst headache migraine of my life. I'd Right. So, and so it wasn't from dehydration. No, like I, I have, I have dehydrated, and sometimes you get heat stroke and stuff. But it wasn't that. It's different. Yeah, I'd sort of um, I, during the ride, I was fine. I was having, I was struggling keeping up with the guys. Um, you know, I just wasn't bike fit as as I'd like to have been. Yeah, match fitness had diminished. Yep. yep. So okay. yeah, going up the hills and stuff, I was just I was lagging, you know. And um, but otherwise, I didn't have chest pains during the ride. Things were good. Finished the ride. We had the breakfast. We went, had a little bit more ride and, and went home. And this headache developed while I was driving home. And um, you know, I was coming coming back half an hour, forty five minute drive. So just persevered. Got home. Yep. Um, I straight away had a couple of paracetamol. <coughs> paracetamol. Sorry, my yep. uh, my voice is breaking. You're right, mate. Yeah. Couple couple of paracetamol. I had a shower. Had a couple of ibuprofen after that. And I said to my partner, "Look, I've got to lay down. Got got in bed. Blinds down. It's probably midday by this stage." And um, soon as I went from upright to horizontal on the bed, that was the most excruciating, sharp chest pain I'd had in my life. I, I actually thought that was a heart attack. Shit. I was like, and I said to my partner, look, you know, like, kid in the car, we're going to hospital, you know, drop everything, we're going to hospital, you're taking me to hospital now, don't worry about an ambulance, you're driving me and we're, we're... Yeah, let's just go. Yeah, from where we're living, it's probably a 10-minute drive to, to yeah. Royal Perth, right? So, yeah, in we go, like, I'm sort of like... Oh, I'm freaking out. My, my I'll bet you were. Sharp, not, it was knife pain. So prior to this, I'll, I'll clarify, prior to this, my, my chest pains were pressure and weight and just constriction. Mm, this as was, you were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, this was like someone was putting a drill or a knife into my into my heart. And uh, it was... Gosh, it, that must have been frightening. Yeah, I was, I was concerned. I was like, I've done it. I've, I've cooked my heart. This is a heart attack. This is what it's... You know, this is it sort of thing. And um, yeah, into hospital... Triage, you know, sharp chest pains, left side, mm. on the stretcher, straight in. So no, no dramas getting into hospital. Mm. Um, in there, they again hooked me up to the ECG. They again took the bloods. They again did the X-rays and um, everything else. This time, so the, all the previous times, the, the troponin, which is a, uh, a blood marker for heart damage, uh, cell death. Yes. Um, the troponin was elevated, so 
all the tests prior, and I'd had numerous blood tests, as I explained, were, were negative. This one, I had an elevated troponin. The ECG had um, ST elevations, PR depressions, and um, the T-wave stuff was still going on. And, yeah, my ECG was all up to, up to crap. Um, so at that point, um, well, they did, they did serial troponin, so one after the after, you know, in it, every couple what, of hours. What, what, what you do that, what, to sort of mark the changes? See That's right. Seeing how much of the heart has been damaged by the yep. amount of troponin that's it's produced, produced over time. Yeah. Yep. And whether, whether it's increasing or decreasing and, and stuff, they want to know that. Yeah. So they were like, yep, you're going from emergency, you're going upstairs. So in Royal Perth, the next mm-hmm. floor is uh, cardiology. And uh, you're going upstairs, like, you, you know, things aren't right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I've been trying to tell you this. This was now, for the record, this was the seventh time, or if you count the WAVS doctor, the eighth time mm. that I'd spoken to doctors, medical professionals, Saying I've got problems. Yeah, and, and they just kept ignoring yep, you. Yep, I've got indigestion, anxiety, muscle strain, everything but heart's fine. You mm. could, you know, like, and now on the seventh time, oh, hang on, yep, no, something's wrong. Right. And um, so in so when I was in the ED before they transferred me um upstairs, yeah, they gave me some uh, anti more anti inflammatories um and 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 whatnot and monitored me and stuff and I was I was agitated as you could quite imagine of someone in my situation would be and I was pestering the doctor and, and the nurses like anytime anyone came to check on me I was like you know is is how how, how much is this is this common if someone came past in a stretcher I was like is that another one you know I was just fucking haggling I was yeah right and you were um, giving it to him yeah I was just mm. just just nag- nagging basically um and this doctor this uh this Irish guy I didn't I didn't catch his name in the hospital but um he was the one attending me and um, the whole time he's oh it's, it's you know we see it but it's rare it's rare it's rare but, you know occasionally we see a couple here and there and um, anyways right before handover to upstairs I'd basically must have ground him down and he um, he said to me uh, that he'd, he he had vaccinated been vaccinated in order to work um, so medical staff had to be and he said since he's been work, with working on the ED floor he says if I had have known beforehand because doctors were basically first ones through the through the gate with that yeah if he had a known beforehand he wouldn't have allowed himself to be vaccinated he would have refused mm, there's your answer he's seen well, yep. that many that many well yep. i mean it begs the question why didn't he know in the first place well this was a different doctor to the, the previous so it was royal perth but it was a um a different doctor each time yeah. so this this doctor was nice he he said look i wouldn't have done it to my, i wouldn't have vaccinated myself if i had known how bad these vaccines were yeah I just can't get past the fact that these doctors have lost all critical thinking. Um, and now, for me, personally, when I understood that these things were rolled out in six months, they were literally produced in six months, yeah. forgetting all of the, the things that have come to light now, at the time, all we knew was that you know, Operation Lightspeed, thanks Donald Trump for that, mm. um, and then, um, hey, everyone's got to take it. Yeah. Now, to me... When you notice that there's no testing, that's right. There's been no. Uh, well, you got no to watch negative. the safety. You, you do, yeah. and um, that was very frightening to me. And I thought, mm. there's no way I'm going to be a guinea pig. That's now, right. my question is: surely all doctors would have been the very first people to think, mm, "Something's that, not right." Here. That's right. You would have thought that, but <clears throat> things have changed at medical school. Because Mm. when I went to medical school, they did warn that Big Pharma was growing. This is in the late 70s. Yes. 
But medical schools have changed, especially in America, they have been taken over by Big Pharma. And here in Australia, we are moving gradually towards an American money-based yeah, system. Yeah, well, totally I think we're already there, standard. actually, yeah. Mark. Yeah. I mean, this is proof of it. Okay, mm. so where to from here? Um, you've ended up, it looks like um, there's a few more things that happened yeah, during so, the hospital so visit. The 13th, after this bike ride, this is when <coughs> things have gone bad for yep. me. Um, Going back to the hospital. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, they've put me upstairs. I ended up staying there for another four or five days in the, in the cardiology ward. And um, so the whole time, these doctors are calling it pericarditis, nurses are pericarditis. Oh, they've started using that language yeah, with you. they've got to look, it's, it's by this stage, so 13th, 14th of November. A few days later, yeah. Yeah, they're calling it um, pericarditis, right? And um, I'd sort of, I'd done a lot of research in this period and... Um, what, while you're in the hospital, yeah, just I, looking stuff up on your phone? Yeah, I'd read yeah. the ATAGI uh, guidance on myocarditis. So this is the other thing, the, the Australian government actually knows about the heart stuff well before what happened to me, mm, so much so that they actually have a document printed for doctors and medic- like frontline staff. It's, it's, it's called the ATAGI Guidance on Myocarditis and Pericarditis Following COVID Vaccination. It was that common. They have a spreadsheet on it, right? Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So, um, begs the question yeah. as to why we aren't so, having some justice yeah. in this thing. So, mm. yeah. So, they're obviously well aware of it because, you know, it's printed... By, by the Atagi about it, and they mm. tell you all, uh, all the symptoms. I had every symptom that for myocarditis, and I never got the shortness of breath. Um, okay. was one I didn't have, but I had everything else. Um, it actually says for the T-wave inversions that it's for it's for under sixteen-year-olds. It can be normal for over sixteen-year-olds. And there's a little asterisk when you read the um, the diagnostic information on this document. It's not normal. So the T-wave inversion, which going back to the very first presentation, yep. it plus all the symptoms that correlate and the fact that I was injected two weeks prior, which time-wise correlate, that should have been enough to make the diagnosis yep. from day one, right? You know, you've got the, you've got the, the timeline of the vaccine, mm-hmm. you've got every symptom of myocarditis, you've got a T-wave inversion, which is a known indicator That's in right. over 16-year-olds. I'll clarify mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so... And of, but of course, we now know that there were memos being sent out to doctors from APRA saying, "Don't you dare speak about this." That's yep. right. Yep, mm. that's a fact. Mm. So that kind of lines up. Um, okay. So what happened next? So uh, on the morning of the fourteenth or fifteenth. So this is day two. Day two, I believe. I have to double check my notes. Um, the the, doc, the senior cardiologist consultant. On, on charge of the ward. Um, this is uh, Dr Spiro? Dr Spiro, he was in charge on that day. He, he d- he's doing the rounds in the morning. So in hospitals in the, in the morning, the, the chief doctor comes around to each patient and he checks the tests and he has a chat to him about you know, what's going on and what medication. And usually what's happening is you've got three, four junior doctors uh, in tow and they, they come to each bed and they talk to each patient Yep, spend it's a five, learning hospital. Yeah, spend yeah. five, ten Teaching minutes each one Teaching and um, move on to the next. All very busy. So when it was my turn uh, in, in on the morning, the next morning I believe, um, this Dr Spiro and his um, cohort came in and they were sort of, you know, t- tell me about my what, what they'd found the previous day with the troponin and the ECG and, um, you know, what medication they'd been given. They'd been giving me heaps of anti-inflammatories by that stage and what my outlook was, what medication to take going forwards, everything else. And I, he, when he, I, I had to question him, I was so I, I knew that the troponin was when you have a raised troponin, it's no longer pericarditis; it shifts into myocarditis or a heart mm. attack or you know something along those yep. lines. 
So they were calling it pericarditis. I had to question, and for, for the record, by this stage I started audio recording these doctors. Oh, it's about I was oh, too right. Call, call me paranoid, but I, I and so this doctor, I actually got permission. I said, look, you know, this is going to be a heavy conversation. I want to record it. Um, Which he, you have every right to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. he agreed. I got my phone out, put it on the bed, you know, and um, I recorded the conversation, and we t- talked about everything. And um, when it got to the the diagnosis. I had to basically fish it out of him that I had myocarditis. And when I, when I brought up the fact that I had this raised troponin and that it indicates myocarditis, because I'd read the literature from Atagi by that mm. stage, he had a, a bit of a surprised look on his face. As oh, did I've got one can, that can see. Yep. Well, as We've got mm, one yeah. that can see. Mm. And not just yep. him, all the doctors were sort of like, they were like oh, okay, he's... Oh. Uh, He's asking some some interesting questions, and mm. at that point, so this is the turning point when my diagnosis changed from pericarditis to myopericarditis, so myocarditis with pericarditis or pericarditis with myocarditis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both, but if I hadn't have pushed, for if that. I hadn't have actually asked him that, I would be technically diagnosed. In my opinion, I would have been told I'd still had pericarditis. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So for six times they were telling me there's nothing wrong. When it was so blatantly obvious that something was wrong, they were now telling me it's something less severe than... The and, one. and they've really got a patient who's done his mm. own research, yeah. which is why this is so, so important to do your own research, right. folks. Yeah. Should have done it before. Should have done it beforehand. Well, but you still did it. Um, and this is exactly why you cannot accept what doctors tell you because it's very clear that they no longer have uh, the ability to critically think, mm. so they need to be checked up on all of the time. That is a very, very sad state of affairs to be in. To be in, too and right. It's bloody criminal. That's right, because the ST elevation coupled with the raised troponin levels indicated this was myocarditis. The stabbing pain you had as well indicated it was pericarditis as well, but the two go together because the myocarditis, the inflammation, will cause a resulting pericarditis later on. So it's a very common reaction. And uh, for the doctors to try to avoid this means that uh, they've been told from above not to diagnose it so they can keep on jabbing everyone, those at the top. This honestly outrages me um okay so they've finally agreed to say that it was myopericarditis yep so the 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 official diagnosis of that um when i was discharged three four days later was um acute myopericarditis secondary to pfizer injection so they put the note uh, they did shorthand they did second Mm. as in two nd um secondary so Mm. it happened following that um is, is the shorthand for that um, and that's written on my discharge summary. And I've got to ask right away, did you get your discharge papers when you left the ward? Oh, yeah, I got everything. I, you said this, I'm not leaving until I got well, it? Well, they, they gave them to me anyways, but, yeah, like um, right. from... So the first few times I've gone to the doctors, I didn't know to ask for my tests. I didn't know to ask for records and yeah, everything. You've learned very quickly, it, though, mate. Yeah, I, I had to figure these things out, and um, from that point on, I'll, every bit of testing I ever got, I've now gone. I either got when I got it done, or I've gone back and got. If, if Made can, sure you yep, got it. I've got everything. Good on you. Um, stored, backed up on hard drive and whatnot. And um, right. So yeah, got the got the discharge summary. They gave me. Um, well, so the other thing was the the medication of that. What they were doing was um, very high dose NSAIDs, which is um, ibuprofen, so non steroidal mm. anti inflammatories. Um, so they give you. And the, 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 the doc was like, look, we've got to give you very high um, anti-inflammatories, hard initially, 
Now, it wasn't initial because it was now three weeks later. Yeah. If they had done that from day one, perhaps it might not have escalated as bad. Um, So anyways, the treatment was high. And when I say high, if you read the box of ibuprofen, it tells you how much to have in a day. Mm. I was exceeding that and I had to exceed that every day for three or four weeks. The maximum dose per... So I was having 10 tablets of ibuprofen a day, right? And you're supposed to have like six or something. Yeah, wow. Just a quick question. I did never realise that anti-inflammatory drugs were literally just aspirin. Is that what well, it's based on? Aspirin's the simplest one, but they've made many, many others since. Often they have a sulphur or a uh, uh, or a phosphorus or a chlorine put in them uh, when they make these compounds up. But some of them are highly effective. But yeah. ibuprofen is one with very few side effects. Yep. Right. But uh, So what ended up happening was... They, they, in, in hospital, so the other thing they were doing was what, what I believe is differential diagnosis. So they gave me every blood test for viruses. They mm. gave me a CTCA, which is a, um, a, a CT scan coronary angiogram looking for blocked arteries. Mm. They gave me a full body um, abdomen ultrasound, so like prostate, up, liver, kidneys, top to bottom ultrasound. Um, so they were very thorough in their investigations, mm. but what they were actually doing is they were looking for... Is there another cause? That's right. Yeah, of course Does he are. have a blocked mm. artery? Does no, he they found nothing, I guess. They couldn't. Yeah. Does he have a yeah. glandular fever, which can cause, no. you know, does he have um, hepatitis or any of these other viruses, yeah. uh, mm. these crazy viruses you've never even heard of, that can cause this problem? They checked me for all these things because they were looking for anything else they can pin it on. That's so right. Of course they were. For mm. four days, they ran me through the ringer of tests and they couldn't find anything. Now, quick quick question. Were you charged for all these tests? No. The only tests that... one of the Some of the ECGs early on I was charged for, so partly covered by Medicare, partly covered by my own pocket. Um, the hospital stuff's all covered by the hospital, well, the state or the, the... Yeah, it's not covered by me, put it that way. Well, okay. my taxes are paying for it, but yeah, of course. Uh, not out of my pocket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. So anyways, they did, they did the CT scan. They should have done a uh, MRI, but they never did the MRI. Um, the one thing they did find was elevated uh, liver function protein markers. So I had uh, liver function problems. They believed it was uh, from the medication they were giving me. So they, yes. they changed my medication. That's what I was about to ask. But yeah. my liver functions remained elevated. Uh, still undiagnosed. I've been referred to a liver specialist. I'm months now, still waiting. Um, so something's happened with the vaccine where my liver function has gone... It's, it's, it was elevated with the blood tests, but it doesn't. I don't notice it in my day to day life. Mm. Um, so there's a number of proteins. You'll, you'll know more about this, doctor. Um, yeah. Did you want to make a comment about uh, that? No, I mean, a lot of people just have slightly raised liver function tests. I do myself, but it's asymptomatic, doesn't cause me any problems. I wouldn't be too worried about it unless okay. there's symptom, other symptoms. Gotcha. So, any, anyways, they, they gave me Colchizine as well, um, as a, I think it's a gout medication. That's as, right. But they also use it as anti inflammatory. Mm. Um, because what was happening for the first two or three weeks, these uh, anti-inflammatories were knocking me around. I was, mm. yeah, I was quite sick from the the, the ibuprofen. Mm. I was falling asleep every day. I was. Mm. Well, you were taking huge doses right, of it. How long did you dose. take these massive doses for? So I think the first two weeks it was the uh, the, the nine or ten tablets a day, and then weaned back to about six tablets for the following week. And then um, by that stage, the colchizine started to ramp up and we're doing two tablets a day of colchizine and then ibuprofen when needed. Okay. 
Mm. Is that normal? That, that's a new type of therapy. See, I've been out of medicine since 1995. That's yeah. a new uh, treatment regime. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if you had terrible diarrhoea from the culture scene. Um, no, the culture scene was actually not too bad. It was the ibuprofen oh, that was knocking me about, oh, and right. um, they also gave me some PPIs to take in conjunction with the ibuprofen, which I didn't take. Um because I didn't the, the the gastro stuff didn't I didn't get any gastro problems from the ibuprofen which is common mm, but yeah. my fatigue and my energy levels and my um, just general feeling of like feeling pretty rubbish um, of course. which I pinned on the mm. ibuprofen um, gotcha so anyways the next month or so I was off work uh, I was basically bedridden couch ridden um, next two months uh, one month so Mo- th- one yeah, month. so, so yeah. I think three or four weeks I was off work. And then gradually returned light duties. Um, so, so after that hospitalisation and sharp chest pain, my, my chest pains were quite severe for the following, well, numerous months. But for that, that initial month, were quite bad. Um, to speak into your mic. Man. Yeah. So, yep. so the, for the so the month after my hospitalisation, my chest pains were yeah they were bad. Wow. And were, and, were they and stabbing chest pains or just the pressure ones? Just the pressure but quite ramped up and um and yeah, not so much a stabbing pain but kind of in between, like a just a But you were on all these like massive doses of mm. anti inflammatories. Yeah, and I, was, I was eating enough to subdue a horse and And it was literally not helping. It was helping, but it was um it had the side effect of making me feel run down, but my heart was in such a bad way in that mm. time period where it was just you know, I, I was falling asleep. So to give you an idea of what was happening, I was falling asleep two or three p.m. in the afternoon on the couch. I'd be falling asleep most days because mm. I was couldn't keep my couldn't keep my eyes open. Um, and yeah, I, I couldn't do anything if I was stand for too long. Your chest pain would ramp up. So I was mm. I was stuffed. Yeah, um, you were just on the bed, bedridden. Yeah, sort I, of thing. I basically spent it on the couch. You know, like nights yeah. I'd be in bed and days I'd be on the couch. Wow. That's right. right. It takes away people's normal life because when the heart is sick, you have to lie down and go to sleep to try and let it recover. 100%. Yeah. So, and that went on for three or four weeks. The worst of it went on for three or four weeks, but the chest pains continued for probably about six months, um, but they did improve and taper off. But that first month was, uh, was rough, yeah. Right. And so that brings us up now to... The 20th of the 12th? Yeah, so... Um, Sorry, no, we no, went no, we'll, we'll skip skip too far. Yeah, you visited Dr. Dean Mello. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Dr. Songhurst, when I asked him about the safety of having a second vaccine, he refused to answer the question and um, instead said, go see this... Uh, so he works at, at Jupiter Health and there's another chain, uh, another one at Port Coogee, so here's Spearwood, there's a Port Coogee, another chain of the same doctor's clinic. And there's another doctor there, Dr. DeMello, uh, Oliver <laughs> DeMello. And he said, go see him. He's full bottle with reading up on the literature. He does the injections. He's the one to see. Um, he can answer your safety concerns. Okay, so he's referred you to a colleague. Yeah. And But th- he referred me just before I went to hospital. I never got to see him. I made the appointment and then I was in hospital and, yeah, that happened. So I went Oh, saw- okay. So you're due to see this bloke and then you've had that incident where you, uh, in, the, in the evening and you've got the stabbing pains in your chest. Yeah. Off to hospital for a few days. So then you've come home and you're still going through these three yep. weeks of severe pain, yep. in fact, a few months. But uh, you've gone and seen Dr. DeMello. Now, this is late in November now. Yeah, so I had a, numerous appointments with him. I had about three or four appointments and I went to see him. And so this guy is also a mental health uh, uh, One of his interests is mental health. And okay. I believe Dr. Songhurst was referring me to him for the anxiety 
more than for the mm-hmm. vaccine yeah, safety yeah, thing, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. Any, uh, so I went and saw him anyways. And by this stage, I'd been discharged from hospital. I had my discharge papers. I had my clinical diagnosis um, and everything else. And, you know, there was no question about a vaccine reaction. It was confirmed. It was proven. It was quantified. Um, right. So I went and saw this doctor. And so none of the doctors had given me an exemption. All the hospital refused to give me a vaccine exemption. Um, couldn't, couldn't get one. Apparently... Uh, cardiologists aren't qualified to give exemptions. And Mate, yeah, you got whatever. serious got issues. Yeah, yep. 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 and you can't get an exemption yeah. because you know you you, yep. you deserve to die, Bram. Yeah. So, anyways, this Doctor mm. Demello, I go see him, I give him the uh, all the rundown of my history and and whatnot, and uh, and I ask for an exemption, and um, he gives me a written exemption on an A4 piece of paper, signed, stamped, doctor stamp. Uh, Bram's got my pericarditis, no more uh, vaccinations for a period of six months or until oh. symptoms resolve. Hang on, with the letterhead, the, the yeah, surgery? Yeah, doctor's letterhead, letterhead. A, a doctor's note, yep. right? And I thought, okay, beauty, I've got my exemption. Did some more research, found out that, well, that paper is thrown up and scrunched in the bin. You know, it's it's worthless. It's not mm. worth the paper it's printed on. Yeah, because, the oh, we're in a state of emergency yep. and we've the got own, to do this yep. to save yeah. all, That's everyone. Right. So yep. for, for the record, and now that the matter's dropped, it's a bit of a mute point, but... At the time, the only in WA, the only way to legally get exempt and continue on with your life, and by this stage the pubs had been locked out and everything else. Yeah, yeah. The only way was one, the WA Chief Health Officer uh, can give you an exemption, or two, the Australian Immunisation Register, so the national level, can give you a contraindication. All right, and uh, these can only be done by doctors and blah blah blah. So, Dr. Demello wrote me a handwritten, stamped, signed letter, but he didn't go to the AIR and give me the legal official contraindication. Yeah, and, and so there was mm-hmm. no registration, so yep. effectively you got to get another shot. A runaround. So I went back mm-hmm. to this doctor when I found this out and I was like, thanks for this uh, exemption, but can you please put this on the uh, AIR, the Australian mm-hmm. Immunisation Register? And I'd found out the form. The form that you need to use is the IM011. Which I've is heard about it. Yep. For, for a temporary mm-hmm. exemption and you can, it's a two or three page document and um, you can get your, your temporary exemption. And um, this doctor, he, so on this second or third consult, I, and I remember I was recording, I was audio recording my doctors yep. now. Mm-hmm. So I've got this audio recorded, um, mm-hmm. patchy we'll audio. but again I've, in a minute. But yep. I've got it. So this doctor told me that he doesn't want to sign the AIR form. He says, I've given you a handwritten, the written one. I'm not doing the AIR one because his board... And he later clarified the board is the RACGP, which is the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners. Yep. So this is the uh, the, the body that well, you, you you'd know that. Yeah, doctor. we know yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. So this RACGP has instructed this doctor, oh, and I can pre- I can only presume other doctors, but I know this. Well, this is what he's told me: has told him not to write AIR exemptions because APRA is going after doctors that do on the request of the Chief Officer. That's officer. correct. So, mm. the, so the Chief Health Officer is reporting doctors to APRA. Mm. APRA is going after the doctors. So the RACGP is trying to protect these doctors by not getting them into that situation. Yeah. And this is at the federal level we're talking that, about. That's here. right. State, and state, I believe, but it could have been federal. I well, yeah, I, 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 I should point yeah. out first that the RACGP is, of course, the uh, College Teaching General Practitioners, but it hasn't got the specialised knowledge of vaccines, etc. And mm. so they're only trying to protect their general practitioners by telling them not to write exemptions, but yes. this is going against patient health because it's not protecting patients. So they really are disobeying their own hypocrisy. 
democratic games. I was about to yes. say. That's yeah. right. And the real college that should be dealing with it is the Royal Australasian College of Physicians, which does deal with all the specialists. But I haven't heard a single word from them and in the last two and a half years. I'd just like to also interject a little point that just going back a few <laughs> steps, Bram. We've, uh, Mark and I have heard previously about um, people or doctors, I should say, trying to suggest that there's a mental health issue. In your case, it's yeah, anxiety. anxiety. Yes, that was um, the uh, number two diagnosis. Just speak into your mic, mate. Yeah, anxiety was number two, I believe. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're always falling back. What, what I'm trying to say is uh, the more we experience, um, the, the we, more interviews we do on this, and obviously for anyone that's been involved at the level that Mark and I have, that extends way beyond this podcast, uh, where we hear these stories almost daily and there's very clear patterns emerging yeah. and you've just described all of those patterns. Yeah. And I got it on audio recording. And that's something we'd like to talk about right now. Yep. So um, I've got to ask you just quickly and I'd like to get some comments from the audience, please. Would you like to hear that audio and, Brammy, would you be in a position to allow us to play it? Now, I'm not saying yep. we're going to because obviously there's a le- legality around that and I need to make sure that that's clear. But I'd really like to know, does, does the audio, audience want to hear that? Because I sure do. Yeah. Um, so tell I'm, me all about it. What, what's on the audio? So he, he says his board has told him not to sign it and the, the implication is for legal reasons to, yep. to protect himself. So you've captured this whole thing. Yep. And I've got follow-up emails with the practice again, another handful of email chains with letterhead on the company with the receptionist this time. Confirming. Saying the same yep, thing. Yep. That's just astonishing. I, I, I find that every time we do one of these, I say astonishing and criminal, but it really is. That's right, because once you've got the doctors corrupt, the problem is that they're corrupting the legal profession as well. You have to wear a mask to go to court, and only the accused is allowed into court and has to be masked, and all lawyers working in the court have to be jabbed and masked as well. We've moved into a real police state. Now, that brings me to the next question I've got for you, Brown. We're going right back to the beginning here when you first took the jab i've really got to know were you number one did you sign a waiver form number two were the side effects or the possible risks explained to you in any fashion at all so with the waiver i did it there's a wa was doing an online system um that i can't remember the name of it but you you sort of you, you i can't say it legally but you you signed your consent uh, online via the the app or whatever. I can't remember the name of it. it was this that sounds the all wrong WA, to me? Yeah. So whatever. It, yeah. So okay. it was you, you. You sort of you created an account and did it that way. So you kind of signed your life away, yeah, un- you, unbeknownst to yourself, electronically. Yes. Okay. Which I'll I'll, I'll have, have to, to double check, but I've yeah. read the immunisation handbook, and I'm pretty certain that. Um, Doing it that way is not actually covered in the in the actual legislation. So, but that, that was in order to get so to, to clarify in order to get the appointment. So I did it at the um, convention center, the Perth Convention Center. Oh wow! Uh, vaccine mm. hub clinic. It was like a pop up clinic where they just oh they love the pop the pop up. It was a production line. line. It was just like yeah. ten chairs, ten chairs, ten chairs, and it was just like next, next, like off to wow. the firing line sort of thing. Just like cows going into the, the abattoir. Yeah, yeah. sort of what it was like when you think back. Um, okay, so I've got to come back to it. Were the side of the possible risks, 
side effects, risk, however you want to put it, were they explained to you at any point as per the legislation? So the the risks of what happened to me and the, that was not explained. There was there was told there, there there can be side effects and they're rare and um, the minor and it can happen and um, that. I can't recall exactly what, that, what the nurse said, but she did go through a sort of a basic scripted. A basic. Now, Mark, is shooting but pains through your heart a rare minor is issue? Uh, no, normally, they're fairly rare. They're only a sign of pericarditis, but now it's not rare. It's become common. Yeah, but what I'm asking is um, that's a very, very serious issue. Very and, much. And that, those, the implications of that were not explained to Bram. That's right. They were not. I mean, myocarditis has an average five-year survival rate. Now, what I'd like to know from the audience, I'm going to call out to the audience again, do, does anyone listening to this podcast know of anyone in recent times, so today is um, Tuesday the 21st of June, has anyone heard of the systems being stepped up and are people now actually getting these issues explained to them up front before they're jabbed? And I'll, I'll go and make a prediction that that's not happening at all. <laughs> no. We can agree there, no doubt. No doubt. But yeah. look, if the audience knows of any situation where that has occurred, please make a comment um, below and um, through the app or online at the8newshow.podbean.com with the number eight, jump on there and make a comment on the show uh, and tell us because I'd really like to know. Okay, so now, Bram, where to next? Um, so I'm still looking for this exemption um, and I've sort of like, you know, I want to get that because, yeah, I've, had, I've only had one dose by this stage, right, and mm-hmm. not having another one but I want to get on with my life. Yeah, and... So now this is bringing us into later on in December. So December, 20th of December, I made an appointment to go back to the first doctor, uh, Dr. Arwen Boyle, mm-hmm. and I'd sort of tried to wash my hands with this doctor, but I, was, I wanted to go back and be like, you know, tell her, you should have done this, you should have done mm-hmm. this. This is a lady doctor. Yeah, she's yeah. a lady doctor. She's, she, was, she was nice. Anyways, I made this appointment. When I got into the appointment, um, she had her face mask pulled up Basically, over her eyes. You know, if it, any higher, it would have, she would have went over her eyes. She wouldn't look me in the eye, and she apologized. And I, again, I recorded this conversation as well. She wouldn't look. Uh, she she apologized about half a dozen times for what had happened. Um, I questioned her if she recalled the um, not the Hippocratic Oath, but the um, Declaration of Geneva, which is the, the I believe the modern day version of the Hippocratic Oath. Okay, and uh, she had forgotten her Declaration of Geneva. That's interesting. I've heard that before as well. So that was the first question. So I wanted to rub it in her face. I, was, I wanted to go back and be like, this has happened to me. You mm. were, you dropped the ball. And, um, and I, I questioned her, why didn't you put any of the stuff on my health record so that the hospital and the following doctors could see the notes? And did you ask her if that um, the guy from, uh, is it uh, Taji? No, the, um, the WAV. Oh, the WAVs. I, might, I can't remember if I touched on that. That was a, quite a bit after that. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. But so I was, I was questioning, why didn't you put notes on the um, yep. on the My on Health Record? Why, yep. didn't, why did you withhold this for me even after I requested it, the ECG test? Why did you not act on this ECG mm. test? How did you come to the conclusion it was muscle strain? Well, I bet she was squirming. She was sweating yeah. bullets, right? I she, bet. She, mm. she, was, she, she couldn't look me in the eye and she apologised to me about, in the audio recording, half a dozen times or so, I think I counted. Did you mm. potentially say to her, um, 
I should technically report you to APRA? That's I mentioned to her that I'd, so I was seeking legal help at that stage, and I'll, I will touch on that if we get time. Okay. Um, so I mentioned I was, I was speaking to lawyers, and I was she like... She would have been shitting herself. Yeah, I wanted I wanted her to. I wanted her to know. Oh, I bet you did, yeah, mate. So I would have as well. Yep. Yeah. So, and, um, and I, I, I used this to leverage her for my exemption. Mm-hmm. All right? I was like... I've got the right. fucking diagnosis. Yep. Sorry, sort of swear. No, got, that's all right. I've got the diagnosis here. It's it's proven. You didn't diagnose it, but it's it's here. I mm. want the exemption. And well, uh, she had all the indications that there was an issue. Mm, let's yep. face it. Yeah, so, yep, yep. she should have. But um, she should have acted yeah, completely differently to the way she did instead of trying mm. to cover it up. Yep. But anyway, so what happened? Did she end up giving it to you? She did. She she uh, she said, "Oh, I don't know about that." And I said, "Look, I am zero one one." And she was like, "Oh, I've never heard of that." So she she yep. actually downloaded it from the the Australian government, the uh, Services yep. Australia, wherever. I've you got get a it. copy of that form at home. Yeah, keep one with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, she, she downloaded it there and there, printed it out in, in the clinic and, um, and then she filled it out. And I, the, mm. I had to sort of almost tell her how to fill it out. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, look. you know, like I'm gone, it's a, it's a three page document and mm. I think two of them are questions and one is blurb. And I was like this, you know, not, not full time. Like I, I should be exempt for life, but technically, and I've read the, I've read the technicalities, it's, it's a six month and you know, you go this, 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 and I want all three vaccines. Nova Vax wasn't out. So I wanted, um. Exemption from Pfizer, Astra, and uh, Moderna. I didn't realise you had to specify what yeah, one. Each one, because each one has different side effects. So, yeah. You, yeah. Oh so she. So this is the thing. She signed. She signed the form, and um, she's ticked me for all three. So I got exemptions for all three, as I should be according to the right. guidance from Atagi. Mm-hmm. And um, I made sure I got the paper copy of the IM zero one one. And she said, mm. "Look on your way out. Get the reception to scan it. They can uh, lodge it with the AIR." And mm. I said, yeah, sure, that, that, do that. And uh, But I wanted to keep the paper copy because of mm. obvious reasons. Mm. So anyway, that's 20th of December, just coming up to the end of the year. Um, every day, so the next day, the next day, I keep logging on to um, my gov and I'm, I'm checking. Oh, my, to see whether it's been uploaded. Yeah, and uh, mm. Christmas Eve, 24th of December. Okay, this is like four days four later, yeah? Three, four days. I think it was late on the 23rd at night it, it uploaded and I had my... Had my contraindication to Moderna and Pfizer, but not AstraZeneca. Whoa. And I'm like, that's interesting because I've got the paper copy and it's unedited, it's yeah. unaltered, it's her handwriting, it's her yep. pen. Same yeah. pen, yep. yep. It's uh, all three. So Christmas Eve, and this is now, so first thing in the morning, I go down to the clinic because it's just down the road and I say to the doctor, to the, sort of the receptionist, I'm look, there's a mistake on my AIR. I've just been here a few days ago. Dr. Poyle was giving me the exemption. Did you have the paperwork I had, copy? I had, yep. the, I had yep. all the, you know, I had the form. I had everything. Yep. yep. And um, the receptionist says, oh, yeah, it looks like there's a mistake. We'll get the, uh, the nurse to sort it out during the day mm. with you, uh, for you. So, anyways, I, I said, look, you can take another photocopies of it and everything. Dr. Boyle's got copies. And you, you just accepted that and walked away, well, did you? Because you, you expect that, you know, the, these people that are held so high in our hmm. society. Yeah, yeah I you, did. They'll and, be um, honest with you. Yeah. So, about, so I, first I tried calling, sorry, just one step back. First I tried calling the AIR to get the records uh, corrected myself. Gotcha, I got, got through course. to them. Yeah. They said, "Look, patients can't do it. Only the medical." Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yep. that's right. So yeah, sure, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's why I went to the doctor's surgery. Yep. Uh, they said, "Yeah, we'll get onto it during the day. We're a bit busy now. The the clinic nurse will do mm-hmm. it during the day." About midday, the uh, the doctor's surgery calls me up and says, "Look, I've just been on the phone for a couple of hours with the, or you know, she's for a while with the AIR, yeah. and they're not letting me update your records." She said, "Look, I can see there's a mistake. It's, you know, we've confirmed it with Doctor Boyle, what? and um, 
the AIR is refusing to correct your records. And this is from the doctor's surgery, the, the clinic mm-hmm. nurse, right? Yeah. Now, I, I would say at that point where they've got their record, the, f- the falsified record, where they've got the AstraZeneca thing not filled in the square, if you can magnify that, you might see where they've gone over it with whiteout. Well, who knows? I think it's after everything that's happened, it's hard to say it was an honest mistake. Put it that's that way. Well, yeah, of right. course. So keep keep going so, with the and, story. And for, for, for the, just, uh, so in order to get your vaccine certificate or your exemption certificate, mm-hmm. you need to have all three. Mm-hmm. Or now it's four mm. with, with the uh, added one. Um, but with only two, you're, you're exempt from them, but you don't get a certificate, so you're, you're not, you're, you still have to have, got to have that other one. Shifting the goalposts. Yep. And yeah. for the record, AstraZeneca, which is the only one I could have, is not recommended for under 60-year-olds. It's not recommended for anyone, well, that's I, right. I, I yeah. wouldn't recommend it for anyone, but it was yeah. specifically not recommended for under 60-year-olds. Yeah. So, you know, anyways, I, I call up after... So this is now into the afternoon of the Christmas Eve, 24th of December... I call up the ARR, and this is a national body, so it's yep. most likely offices in East. You so. must have been pretty rolled yeah. up at this point. Oh yeah, I was I was fired up, and I uh, got through to some nice Indian uh, chap on the call center, and explained everything. And he said, "Look, uh, patients can't change their records, and um, you have to get." And I said, "Don't you, don't you give me that bullshit, mate? Get yep. your manager. If you get can't your manager, get yep. your manager, and if he can't do it, get his manager." And I'm thinking, you know, this is now Christmas. Yep. Eve, they'll probably be having beers and barbecue. Or yeah. Anyways, and what happened? So I was on the phone for an hour or two on, and they got through to the manager and I explained the story and he said, look, we're going to have to confirm it. He called up the doctor's surgery and they faxed through the papers again and um, sure enough, they corrected it this time mm. after much... Gee, thanks for that. Yeah, mm. I had to fight. And by the way, I've got to ask you, uh, just as a side note, did at any point you say, now listen, I need to now bill you because my time is money, my, my time is valuable, I'm a highly qualified technician, um, I'm going to charge you out my normal daily rate for the hours that I've spent on the phone with you. Well, I, sh- I should have, but no, I didn't. This is something I think everyone needs yes, to start no doing. Idea. I've done it personally myself and I actually got paid. Oh, wow. <laughs> In okay. a situation like that, and you can say, I'm happy to take it to a lawyer. And they'll just go, look, it's not worth the trouble. We'll just pay out. What do you reckon we owe you? Boom. And I think that we all need to, for the audience out there, utilise every means possible to push back. Like you have, Bram, but I mean, let's just start filling in and giving everyone a Mm. few ideas about things that you can do. And um, if anyone out there has more kind of information around (laughs) that aspect of things, once again, please reach out to us in the comments. That'd be fantastic. Okay, so what happened next? So they uh, they gave me the exemption as per Dr. Boyle's uh, paperwork, paperwork, her yep. professional opinion, and um, I was exempt. I think it was only three months. So so actually going back. So with the WAVs, uh, I was referred twice to the vaccine safety clinic at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital, and again at the when I was hospitalised for four or five days, they also referred me. So I'd been referred three times to the mm. Sir Charles Gardner vaccine safety clinic and mm. um in order to get your chief health officer your wa level chief health officer exemption you need to have a referral and they can only give you an exemption until the day of your referral after that it's up to the uh, immunologist to determine right so I, I tried the chief health officer route and um deputy chief health officer claire Hupatz gave me a one-month exemption but i had a four-month wait for my um appointment with the vaccine safety clinic 
it was so far in advance, I didn't even have mm. a date yet for my appointment. So she couldn't give me my... Uh, An exemption up to that point. Up to that date because I didn't have a date. So she gave oh, me one that? month and then I kept trying and trying again to get it extended until I knew the date. And uh, they just kept giving you the runaround. Yeah, and they refused. Mm. And I, I had the hospital discharge papers. I had the um, referral letters. I had everything. Everything. All right. And, and all the audio recordings. I didn't, I didn't touch on that, but I, okay. I, I had everything above board and was entitled to an exemption uh, legally as per their own laws and rules. I'd, I'd, I'd thoroughly read their own rules and laws, so yep. I, I was full yep. by this stage. And um, yep. the only thing, I didn't have a date for my appointment, and that's what you need. You need a date so they can give you an exemption mm-hmm. until that date. But they were so busy, the Vaccine Safety Clinic at Sir Charles Gardner Hospital had a four-month wait time. Of course they did. Yes. Right. And I just want to throw it out there. I don't know about your experience, Bram, but I've had a little bit of experience over there at Sir Charles Gardner and uh, those people are really horrible. Oh, mm. yeah. You have no idea. Um, They're very, very condescending. and mm. yep. yeah. So I, I went there and, um, yeah, got, got them exemption extended and uh, went back. I had another appointment, right? And um, a few months later, so this has gone, gone on past our notes now. Um, yeah. But I will, I will mention this because it's kind of funny. Um, they stopped giving me face-to-face appointments and I kept calling them up and I'd call up the um, the booking. Uh, there's a separate, I can't remember the name, where you change your bookings and yeah. I kept changing it to face-to-face and then they would change it back to telephone. Oh, and um, I called up the complaint centre at Sir Charles Garden and I said, look, I, so I wanted to get my vaccine claims uh, scheme mm. paperwork signed so I could lodge my vaccine claim with the claims, the government claim. Yep. And the doctor needs to sign. You mean claims for injury? Uh, compensation for uh, through the through the, the the it's through Services Australia through Medicare. Yep. They're giving a compensation for approved vaccine injured. Yeah, and we've um, spoken about that um, mm-hmm. just recently with a, with Ben. Now our episode number three. So for anyone that wants to kind of cross reference that, please go and watch Jab Injured series episode three. Of course, we're doing number four right yep. now with Bram. Mm-hmm. So. Again, another pattern. Yeah, another they, common pattern. They were refusing to see me because COVID was in the community. And oh yeah, yeah. So I called up the um, complaints at Sir Charles Garden Hospital, and I, I lodged complaints and tried to get them to change it to face to face, so I could have my paperwork signed. It needed to be mm. signed. All the doctors were refusing to sign it by this stage as well. So that's another another thing. Mm. Um, they kept refusing, and um, I had spoken with. Um, Senator Malcolm Roberts, I was, I was actually invited to uh, the COVID under question inquiry to oh, wow. give mm. a, a, a video presentation. And uh, so I name dropped him and I said, look, this, this senator, and I mentioned Senator Rennick and uh, Hanson and uh, the few others that were pushing for a royal commission. Yes. I said, look, these, there's a number of senators that are currently pushing for a royal commission into this. Mm. And should a royal commission eventuate and should I be invited to give testimony I'd be delighted to give testimony mm. about my experience with Sir Charles Gardner Hospital. Wow. And Good on you, mate. at that point, I got a face-to-face appointment. Oh, mm. suddenly things change. Yep. Yeah, I wonder why. You've got to just push that right button. You know what? You need to know what mm. to say. Yep. So I'd, yeah, so I sort of name-dropped these senators, and um, I, I had dealt with uh, both Malcolm Roberts and uh, Senator Reddick throughout this process with other, other stuff. Good. Oh, okay, so you'd reached out to yep. them. Mm-hmm. I, okay. That audio recording I, su- I supplied to, to Rennick, so oh. he can use it as ammo against the TGA. Beautiful. Uh, yep. Good and, work, good work. And as I mentioned, uh, I did a video piece for the um, COVID under question inquiry in March. Wow. Yep. Mm. And um, did, you, do you ever get, did you get any feedback from that? Um, I, I 
I got so I didn't actually watch it myself, but I watched the, the ones that they had posted on the uh, One Nation website, and um, oh yeah, I was thanked by uh, by, by Malcolm Robertson, uh, Doctor Jerry Brady, who was the one that he he was the one I liaised with uh, until I was invited by Malcolm Roberts to present, mm-hmm. and um, he was very helpful, and we we discussed another number of stuff on the. That's fantastic yeah. that you did that, mate. Too You've right. really made a serious effort here, and I mean, yeah. everyone that we've spoken to has made a serious effort in understanding what's going on with them. But the fact that you went to that level, yeah, congratulations, yeah. man. Well, I'm really. I was really sort of sick. gone through a mission, like in my work. I work as a mobile tradesman, so I, every time I went and saw a new customer, I, I. Charged, I was charging them by the hour and I made an effort to tell them what had happened. And mm. um, and I, I spoke to so many people that goes, yeah, I've, I've got these chest pains, I've got this, that and the other. So, yep. Like We I, are all having yep. this experience. So yep. I'll tell people, look, I was hospitalised and I was off work for a month and this, that and the other and it's all from the jab and clinically diagnosed and this and this is what happened and don't don't get any more. And I was getting the word out. As, yeah, because you've been fully awakened. Yep. Yeah. So I was, I was doing this bit of a crusade and I did a couple of pieces with... Um, with Scott from uh, Scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. Yep. Scotty, friend of ours. Mm-hmm. Yep, so sort of just, I was trying to just, yeah, I spoke at the rallies a couple of times and just sort of did. In Perth, Perth Yeah, rallies, yeah, yeah, a couple of the different different bits and pieces and I sort of, you can't maintain it. I don't think it's it's very intense on your uh, mental health. Oh, yes. Well, I can but imagine that, mate, yeah. But I, I was I was determined to, to do what I could to, if I could save even one person, you know, stop one person that hadn't mm. been, Jabbed from from making that decision. Perfect. Or, yep. So that was sort of my my and even with this, it's the same thing. I want to make sure the story's out, and it's, mm. it's a bit late now. I think with how things are going, but it's still some people. Look, you know, I I don't think so. Um, well, with the kids, are pushing it on the six month. They're pushing it. They're, mate, they're literally giving kids free entry into Perth Zoo. Yep. Um, mm. With your face painted and all kinds of things, it's just really really insanely criminal. Um, uh, a, a good friend of mine, Robin, who is um, uh, now doing her own YouTube channel. Um, I'm just trying to think of the name of it. Courage is the key. Uh, please, everyone, look her up. Uh, but she's been standing out front of schools all on her own, handing out flyers about myocarditis and things like that. Yep, when the schools have nurses come to visit... Yep. And she's literally caught one of them on, on camera, and I've covered this on my video channel, the Bellman Report for everybody on YouTube and Rumble. Um, this one you'll only see on Rumble, obviously, because YouTube is censoring the crap out of everyone. Um, and uh, she literally had one of the nurse, nurses say in a very disappointing tone, oh, we only got one today. <laughs> oh, gee. Is, is that horrific? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And if, if people are standing up and complaining, you should probably listen and hear, hear what they have to say. Yeah. Like, one one is too many. <laughs> like, you know, like mm. one person with myocarditis. Like, that's right. And what, what about all these people who've got the COVID? We know that elderly people die from the flu-like COVID. We're finding vaccine injuries everywhere. We're not finding people dying from COVID. We're not. Yeah, and they actually, people. No matter no matter how much mainstream media try to tell us that mm. that's the, the case, it's actually not. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there is proof of that in Australia now. The um, uh, what is it? The uh, ABS, the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Yes, they uh, have a provisional release on the all cause mortality through twenty twenty one and um, into early twenty twenty two, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there was over a twenty percent increase in all cause mortality with with increases in. Um, 
ischemic heart disease, um, That's right. diabetes, cancers, cancers yeah. and uh, just speaking your mic, and and uh, yeah, you can read it yourself. But yeah. Over twenty percent increase in all cause mortality. Now the interesting thing is in Australia. The uh, the COVID wave, well, the, the COVID was in Australia throughout 2021, but mm. it didn't peak. We didn't get widespread community transmission until November, December 2021. Mm-hmm. Yet we had a 20% increase in all-cause mortality through 2021. That's right. And so you can... Um, <laughs> what happened in 2021? Interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Interesting. But you don't just have to accept... And that's a very factual database. Yep, uh, that's and the numbers. Yes, it does, and I thoroughly encourage everybody to go and do your own research on the Bureau of Statistics because you can find out some very interesting things quite mm-hmm. easily. Uh, however, um, that's not the only indicator. No, you course, can yeah. go and, I mean, anyone, go and call up your local bloody funeral parlour and ask the director what kind of changes they noticed because mm. there have been a few whistleblowers from funeral parlours on YouTube, there's one particular guy who's a, an English guy, but mm. he was very vocal about it. And he clearly says, from one of the real big ones in England, um, saw no change in the death rate at all during the COVID mm. lockdown. But as soon as they started issuing the jab, the numbers spiked That's right, dead people everywhere. Dead people. Yeah. They, they were mm. overrun with dead people. And mm. yet... Um, You'll never hear that on mainstream media. No, no. Yeah. And now it's gotten to the point where everybody in their daily lives can re- are starting to experience this. Mm. Yeah. And, of course, we couple it with all these fake stories in mainstream media about how normal myocarditis is in young children. Yeah. And that's um, mild. There's and no it's such mild. thing as mild. Um, <laughs> I, love to, I love to talk about this one. Yeah. Yeah, the, the professional athletes that are dropping dead all over the world in huge numbers – and mainstream media is trying to say to us, well, it's very easy to explain, you see, because during the lockdown, they weren't getting their medical, they weren't seeing their doctors and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's complete bullshit yeah. on the face of it. That's right. Uh, because those professional athletes have doctors that see them every freaking day. So, um, and if everyone can hear the, the dog, dog. <laughs> he, uh, he, he's starting to get excited. Um, oh, here he is. Hello, mate. Time to come inside and That's hang Penny. out. Yeah. That's Penny. Hi, Penny. So, um, Bram, I think we're just about at the end of the story. Uh, is there anything else you'd want to mention before we close? Well, I mean, so I, I obviously I mentioned my what the, the doctor said about the RACGP and obviously the uh, AHRPA is the one that are, that are pushing and uh, the mm. RSHGP was trying to protect its, its doctors. Mm. Um, there's also the, the ATAGI. So that's the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, mm. uh, the body that is looking at the data, so to speak. Now, they should by now have picked up a very strong safety signal, like, um, as I mentioned, the all-cause mortality on the ABS. Mm. There's also record numbers of TGA vaccine as adverse event reports. As I, I believe the there's more... COVID vaccine adverse event reports than all other medications combined since records began. Of course, back in the it's 70s. amazing, right? isn't so it? It's a, it's a pretty strong safety signal. Mm. Um, it's pretty bloody obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe initially they might have been using the data released by the, the pharmaceuticals and they might not have had the full picture. Mm. So you can maybe understand why they might have been pushing vaccines. But at this point in time, it's criminal 
to... It really is, mate. It is. It, it is. really is. Yep. I mean, and another thing that we've mentioned on this show quite a few times is that um, up until before they started issuing these jabs, uh, I think it was around about 3,600 reports on the on a drug in the system that had been in Australia for 20-odd years or mm. 30 years. That, that was the, the highest number of reports within just a few months were over 100,000 reports. Mm. Yeah. I honestly, it's mind-blowing, it really is, that, that, mm. that our government would allow this to happen. Yep. Um, people, mm. I keep saying it, the government does not love you. No. That's right. And I, I can yeah. understand if you've got a, a financial interest, there's a motive there. Like, say, if you're, you're in, the, in the pocket of the pharmaceutical companies, but I don't understand well, the, the doctors, the frontline doctors, or the, the ones that are. But they're not getting in, paid off, mate. Mm. 80 right? bucks a shot. Yeah, 80 bucks. Yeah. Mm. That's a, and, and the entire population, basically, oh, here 25 in 25 mil, yeah. Mm. It's a huge amount of money. Um, Again, um, how can our doctors live for themselves? I've really got to ask. Well, the that, that's the problem because it's destroying the um, whole of society. They're accepting money for giving a substance which even they can see now is more toxic than effective. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I still can't get past why they didn't do their own research. I mean, mm. you expect doctors to be the highest yeah. level of, cri- of critical thinking. That's right, but but as you said yourself, Bram, the doctor who was full bottle was the one who was pushing the jab on people. And, Absolutely. And so the doctors, so you, you, you probably know this, like when you go through a medical school, you've got a, a large debt to pay for your education. Of course. Yeah. And you've got to grind to it back you yeah. in, the, in the clinic and you're working the long hours and it's, ex- and, yeah, yeah. it's extreme corruption you don't have the time to read the research papers and to keep up to date with everything and that's keep right. your finger on the pulse because you're grinding you're, yeah. that's right and I think that's it's right. also important to note that I mean traditionally speaking the doctor in the community was the, the highest paid person mm. and um, the, you know the the, 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 the the, the, the epitome of professionalism in your society. Now it's very different. Doctors don't get paid the huge money that they used to. Mm. Um, these people do it just as tough as everyone else now. Yeah. Or they've got, right. got to pump five minute, five minute, five minute doing yeah. the, doing the uh, consults to, yeah. to get that, the Medicare bucks. That's right, that's yeah. right. So it's really breaking down our society on every at every level. That's right. Okay, so um, final comments... Mark? Well, yes, we've got to correct this or the medical profession is finished. The corruption of medicine, especially seeing uh, people who refuse to be jabbed, seeing them outside the car park while the doctor wears a mask, is utterly corrupt. We've got to put an end to that. Mm. Now, before we end, Bram, I've got to ask you, um, right now, where's your health level at? So I thought I was tracking pretty good for the last couple of months. I thought I'd almost cleared up. Um, on Saturday, I was I, I was looking after my daughter, and she just didn't want to be put down all day. So I sort of actually I actually had her in a baby carrier on my chest, and sort of a fifteen kilo weight, and yeah. Also trying to get in the good books with my partner, I did a bunch of housework and yep, yep. Uh, you know, run the vacuum and the, mm-hmm. mop the you, floors good and did you. the kitchen and you know, just yep. did all that sort of stuff. And um, I th- I think I overdid it a bit. Like so, my my chest pains up until that point had sort of tapered off, and I wasn't really getting anything. But I'd not worked myself. I hadn't yeah. put my heart in a stressed mm. situation. Yeah. And 
drawing the housework is, is hardly high stress, but no, but you, you, yeah, and you're carrying the baby as well, yeah. and so you, yeah, you, you are it was exerting enough, yourself. It was enough for me to twinge, is I suppose the only word. I've got this now. Just today, it's cleared up. But yesterday and uh, Sunday, I had chest pains again. Mm. For uh, I hadn't really had any in about in a little while. You know, I thought I was clear, okay. right? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's that's come back. So I don't know, like I. But are you on any medication for your myopericarditis? No, I've finished up on the colchicine. I've, I stopped on the um, the ibuprofen. Yeah, all uh, that's finished. Yep. No, nothing more to do. Are you are you still seeing doctors? Uh, I t- my um, trust in doctors, like that, their entire treatment was basically wait and um, yeah, and give it time. And you know, there's I mean, there's not that they can do much. I don't think anyway. Once it's done, once you've got it running around your system and the damage is done to your heart, mm. there's you know you can manage the yeah, the that's right. swelling and you can manage the pain, but. That's about all you can really do. Um, There's the, no the, underlying treatment for <coughs> it. That's it. And and this has affected you for the rest of your life, really? Well, I've got it hanging over my head. Like, mm. we're a bit over six, seven months. What are we, seven months? I don't know. We're, we're less than a year out. And, um, yeah, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know. Yeah. You know, am I going to have a heart attack when I'm 40, you know? Mm. I'll tell you what, I was lying in bed the other night and I was thinking, jeez, uh, I wonder if... Um, there's going to be another Operation Warp Speed to try and find a cure for myopericarditis and myocarditis. <laughs> Somehow I don't think there'll no. be the urgency there for it. No. Yeah, no. And I wouldn't be putting my hand up. That's right. I'd I wouldn't either. Especially after a doctor at Port Hedland was telling Aborigines that myocarditis was a self-limited condition which would disappear in two weeks. Yeah, I've heard that a few times. And it's also associated with sudden cardiac death. I will add that as well. Yeah, and I'd just like to mention for the audience, um, we are in planning to go out to one of the communities to have a talk to them about their experience with a certain one, Ernie Dingo, being paid around, I believe, $250,000. That's it. with Mm. With another individual, another Indigenous individual who's paid huge sums of money, to go around to all of the communities in the Pilbara and push them, bully, spruik. harass, spruik, mm. talk it up. <laughs> so well, there's a lot more to come on that one. Okay, so Bram, you're just gonna your life's going forward with this condition now. I, I want to move on. I want to get it behind me. As I'm, mm. I, t- I touched on the vaccine claim, I've, I've lodged a claim. That, uh, you know, I wanted to just get that over and done with. Of with my mountain biking, of um, I've, I've bought an electric mountain bike. Um, yep, just to try and so make it easy. So yeah, so that will go up the hills, and I can ride down the hills. Is the plan, and um, that's a good get idea. myself back yeah. to health that way. Um, you just got to really look after yourself, mate. Yeah, yeah. Righto. Well, with that, um, I think we need to close. I'd really like to just appeal once again to the audience to please make a comment. Uh, please throw us some likes. We really need that. Um, I'm trying to build the show up. We're really trying to build up our exposure and obviously this is extremely important work that we're doing. I think everyone can agree on that. We'd really like to continue doing it. We've got literally hundreds of people in the Pipeworks, uh, people that I don't even know the names of yet, but I have all sorts of people out there in the community working on this for me. We've got lots to go and visit down in Albany soon, Mark, mm, so we'll be off right. there as well. Mm. Uh, and, of course, for everyone, we're going to be in Bunbury this weekend. Mm. We're going to be speaking to some nurses who have a very interesting tale to tell. So looking forward to that one. I believe that one's going to be a live stream, um, but who knows? I'm not sure if we're going to continue to go mm. down that path. 
Everyone, thank you very much for joining us um, this evening. It's, it's evening for us, so I'm going to say this evening. Um, just like to appeal to our audience to please download the Podbean app and um, follow us via that app. That would be really, really helpful. That'll allow you to make comments to the show, but also when we do do live streams, you'll be able to call into the show or send us messages, ask questions, and we can read them out on air and answer your questions. Could I also please appeal to your um, sense of uh, responsibility to the community and potentially uh, become a patron of the show? We really, really, really need you. Um, look, I'm unemployed now, um, and I'm spending all of my time arranging these shows and travelling and everything, and, and I'm going break quickly. So please support us. I'd really appreciate that. And if you're a like-minded business owner who happens to listen to this show and you think that possibly you'd be interested in sponsoring the show or a show, an episode, even just one, we'd really, really appreciate that. Um, in any way, shape or form. Could you please reach out to me through the through direct message on Instagram and, and I'll just say, as I always do, that um, I also have a video channel. I, I started doing all this, doing videos on YouTube. My, my YouTube channel is called The Bellman Report. We have that on Rumble as well. We also have a Twitter account for that as well as an Instagram account. So you could direct message me. I would suggest the best way to do it would be through Instagram or Twitter. And please make contact with me. I'd really like to hear from you. So with that, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thank you so much, Bram and Mark. Thank um, you. I've, I've turned your mics down. I'm so, so sorry about that. But um, thank you very much for being with us. It's been a great story, um, Bram. And once again, you've done a really good job um, looking after yourself and getting the right information so that you're informed. Um, since especially you didn't have the option to informed consent, but you did make the, the effort to find out what was going on and you've pushed back on those doctors and, um, and gotten the correct answers that you really needed to get, even though you didn't have the results that you, you wanted. Um, we definitely have to push back on these people. Don't accept um, anything unless you're happy with the answer. And with that, I'd like to say good night. This has been The 8 News Show. I'm Andrew, your host. Dr. Mark Loss has joined us once again. And Bram, thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank good you. night, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. Cool.